Hello, you're listening to We Thought About Games, a podcast where games are looked at historically, fondly, and critically. I'm your host, Sid Menon, and tonight we'll be discussing Gundam Battle Assault 2, a one-on-one 2D fighting game developed by Natsume and published by Bandai for the PlayStation 1. Joining me on this episode is Curly Brace. Hi! And that's it for uh, this episode, because... After the incredibly long time it took to do Dragon's Dogma, I wanted to do something small, and I figured, one-on-one game, one-on-one conversation. Yeah, that works. That makes sense. So, Curly, how did you get into Gundam Battle Assault 2? So, how did I get into Gundam Battle Assault 2? I guess... So, I'd always, like, appreciated Mobile Suit Gundam from a distance. I always liked giant robot anime, but I never... I didn't watch Gundam for a really, really long time. Like... I think the first time I watched Mobile Suit Gundam was probably the end of 2015, the beginning of 2016. But I really like playing fighting games. And I had seen Gundam Battle Assault 2 played on semi-famous Let's Play channel Game Grumps that one time. Do you remember that? In the distant, distant past when that was a thing? I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's still a thing. But it's definitely not a thing I watch anymore. <laughs> but yeah, they did that and it looked like a laugh. And then sort of circuit... 2016 when I was getting into Mobile Suit Gundam, I played Gundam Battle Assault 2, and you know what? It's really, really, really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. What about you? Well, what's what's your what's your experience with this game? So I actually mentioned this on a friend's podcast where I watched Gundam 0080 for the first time. Oh yeah, last year. Because the thing about being really into Gundam in the early 2000s was that. It was hard to get access to the shows. Like, I had a 28.8K modem on my computer. Ooh, spicy. Yeah, even if there was episodes out there to download, which there really weren't, it would have taken ages. Like, I just couldn't watch that stuff if I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. No way at all. But the games did come out in America, and with Gundam Battle Assault 2, I think I just found it in a GameStop. Oh, yeah. Like, I'd just go to those places and be like, what's in here? You know, I'd heard about it before in like a magazine or something. Mm. I think maybe one of my brother's friends had the first one. Yeah, I picked it up and I, you know, was still super into Gundam at the time. So I was more willing to put in the time with it because we'd had other fighting games before, like at Marvel vs. Capcom on the Dreamcast. But Ooh, classic. You no, know, it's a really good game. But when I look at a move list, I'm like, so I have to do all these complicated controls to do a Shin... Tatsumaki Senpukyaki. What is that? Right. Like, exactly. I don't know what that means. I don't know like, what <laughs> yeah. end result I'm going for. If I match random buttons and they do a thing, I'll think, did I do it? Was that the move? Yeah, yeah. But with this one, I mean, not only are the special move inputs like really easy, but right. I knew what I was trying to go for. So I was more motivated to actually learn how to do it. And that's how I learned to play fighting games. Exactly. Instead of like, you know, instead of making Ryu do the cool thing, you make the Gundam do the cool thing that you've seen it do on TV. Yeah. And speaking of which, just a just a quick overview for anyone who's not really familiar with Gundam. It's a anime series started in the late seventies, sort of the start of the quote unquote real robot genre, where machines aren't like powered by magic or something. They're military machines made for war. Right. Yeah. Still pretty fantastical abilities, all things considered, but. It was grounded for the time. There are multiple different series in this. A bunch of them are set on the same timeline with the technology getting more impressive or powerful over time, but there are also multiple spin-off shows. And this one really upfronts Gundam Wing and G Gundam, two completely different continuities with not even the same basic idea, really. Yeah. I mean, Gundam Wing has 
some realistic robots, but then the Gundams themselves in the shows are ridiculously strong, and G Gundam is a martial arts anime. G Gundam is like Fist of the North Star, but they're giant robots. It's kind of amazing. And like, yeah, Wing Gundam is that, like, if you've ever seen a Gundam with giant, like, angel wings, that's that's Wing Gundam, shockingly enough. There's a pretty long history of Gundam video games, and as licensed products, the miss rate is quite high. <laughs> yeah, just just a bit. I won't deny that it's not. Just going to say that while uh, researching, as, as we're about to get onto, the history of this game, I found lists of Gundam games with, you know, red or black links for just, you know, games that were made and instantly forgotten about because they were just, <laughs> you know, complete non-entities as far as the canon of video games goes. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty strange thing. Like, one of my favorite Gundam games is a random Game Gear game. Unusual for any system is the only Gundam game on that system. I'm like, oh, it's one of the best ones. But it's not like Gundam fans are like, oh, yeah, I remember SD Gundam Winner's History on the Game Gear. <laughs> Yeah, I bet not. I bet not. The creator himself, Yoshiyuki Toyono, is not a fan of Gundam being made in games because, yeah, I guess it is kind of antithetical to a show that's also supposed to show that war is bad. But also, the shows themselves have some pretty cool robots, so... Yeah, this is the thing. This is like the... It's the conversation that comes up every time you try to discuss Gundam, and particularly the themes of Gundam, right? Is that, like, the show is about oh war is bad but it's got the cool robot and the thing is that it, it does got the cool robot you know you can't really get around that mm -hmm. the model kits also make a shitload of money so well yeah exactly that's it it's that, like it is inescapably a vehicle for selling merchandise and you know that's not i don't consider that to be some kind of inherently bad thing but it is kind of inescapable when you're talking about like how the themes of this show are reflected by the reality of how people talk about it you know yeah Alright, so, Gurley, you want to move on to the history of the game itself? So, the history of Gundam Battle Assault 2. Let's cast our minds back to the, the Super Famicom, to, to March 1996, uh, where I believe it was Gundam Wing Endless Duel was released for the Super Famicom. That was the first Natsume Gundam game that I could find. Uh, and I believe that's a pun on Gundam Wing Endless Waltz, which was an OVA made after Gundam Wing. It's kind of hard to say, because it doesn't have anything from Endless Waltz in it. Oh, does it not? Okay, I, I didn't actually... Nah, it's just the regular TV show. Okay, I've never seen Endless Waltz, so I, I have no idea. Fair enough. Endless Duel is a, it's the first of Natsume's like 2D fighter Gundam games. It's it's a Street Fighter-like 2D fighter, you know, you're locked on this, this 2D plane. The, uh, the sprites are absolutely fantastic. It has that thing of mid-90s fighting games where the sprites working on them were just... They, they just had so much scope to do the really, really high-quality sprites that, that are sort of typical of that kind of game. There was a G Gundam game on SNES that came out before that, I think. Maybe after, I can't quite recall, but it was pretty dreadful. <laughs> like, it looked yeah. okay, but it just played like crap and it was really unfair mm. and this duel is kind of it's on par with like street fighter alpha the sns at least yeah like those games like that game looks fantastic and it's it's something that is carried through even through all of the the rest of these the, this sort of you know little splinter dna of uh, gundam games like mm -hmm. those those sprites consistently look fantastic and the other thing that it does is that, uh, like, as a way of giving scale to to Gundams, because obviously you've got this this two D fighter system, you know, in Street Fighter, the they're it's very grounded. They're people, you know, they're people who are fighting. They may be able to shoot lasers from their hands, but they're still people. <laughs> Whereas 
the way that Gundam tries to instill in you that you are still playing in giant robots. You have bigger lasers than you would in Street Fighter, but also you can fly, and the way that they do that is that you can just... Well, the, the screens are just massive. So, like, yeah. the uh, the default play screen will just be the, size, the, the height of a normal mobile suit. But you can press a button, you just fucking launch into the air, and then you're, like, three or four Gundam heights above the other... Gundam, and then you can do that two more times. You just uh, you can you can do that. In fact, oh wait, no, hang on, I've gotten ahead of myself. Endless Duel is just high jumps. Flying is not has not been invented yet. We'll get there. I promise, we'll yeah, get there. Some stuff can kind of fly. Yeah. I didn't really look up a move list for that game. I played it. I was very bad at it, but I liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, Gundam Gundam Battle Master, July nineteen ninety seven. The big change from Endless Duel is that it de-emphasizes health bars, which, if you've played a game like Street Fighter, is an interesting idea, right? Instead of having a life meter that every time you take a hit, that's some of your life meter gone forever and you can never get it back. Instead, to more properly contextualize the idea of mobile suits, of machines, you have temperature bars. And when your suit sustains damage, you gain some temperature, and then once that caps out, your suit overheats. And it can only overheat a certain amount of times. So that's that's interesting. That's unusual. One thing that's really interesting about it is it means that if you can keep away, then you can recover literally any damage. As long as you don't hit your overheat limit, that's fine. You know, you can, you can heal that damage. Yeah, I imagine it can make rounds go on for a very, very long time. Right, exactly. There is definitely scope for that. Without a timeout. Because at this point, Natsume have realized that their uh, high-level sprite design team is an asset that they should work with, you can get battle damage and defamation to different hit zones on the different mobile suits. That's really cool. It looks fantastic in action. The machines are made of multiple, like, moving parts, but they don't just utilize, like, rotation, like a paper doll flash animation style, which I think would have looked real bad. Instead, they, they're still animated. For sure, yeah. It helps to like give that sense of like moving machinery in a really cool way. Mm -hmm. It demonstrates a knowledge of the source material or like what they're working with in a really interesting way. I like it. Yeah. The other thing that is uh, like feeds together with the idea of this temperature bar that you can always heal all of is that this is the game that introduces flight mechanics. They use their big screens, but now there's a universal flight button that you can just press and lift off into the air. And as far as I could gather, it's completely unmetered. It's an unbounded resource, so <laughs> you can just do that. If you're if you're low on health and you make your escape, rather than, for example, as you might in Street Fighter, a comparison I'm going to make a couple more times before we finish this podcast, <laughs> if you get out of uh, like a high-pressure situation, instead of having to jump to the other side of your opponent and just run away to the other end of the stage, you can just fly off into the distance and your opponent has to fly after you. Which is maybe a kind of annoying play experience but is very true to Gundam. That happens a lot in that show, <laughs> is that as soon as escaping, yeah. as soon as they escape from a high-pressure scenario, they just fly away. And, you know, that's that's annoying. <laughs> 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 the other thing that it introduces that is, I'd say, is an important part of Gundam Battle Assault 2's DNA is it has screen-filling bosses, because Mobile Suit Gundam, as a property, has a whole bunch of giant, giant robots that are even more giant than the giant robots. <laughs> And those are in this game. Yeah, these are often called mobile armors. Mobile armors, yes. That's that's the words that I should have used, yes. I promise I do watch this show. <laughs> Battle Assault 2 doesn't use that term 
ever. I don't think any of the Battlemaster games do, so you know, don't worry about it. I mean, not only is its is its grip on like official terms for the robots kind of loose, Battle Assault 2's grip on the English language is kind of loose. Like, <laughs> it's uh, it's not the best, but it does it does lead to some absolutely fantastic things that we're definitely going to mention when we get to them. But uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it's uh, it's not the best in terms of in terms of English. A classic fighting game through and through. Exactly, exactly. So. That was Battlemaster 1. Uh, Battlemaster 2 is released in Japan in 1998 and then is brought to the US as the first Battlezolt game in the year 2000. Uh, so this game is much more like Endless Duel. We sort of moved back again. We, you know, they, they, they tried some interesting things with the cooldown system, the infinite flight system, and maybe kind of realized that not all of those things are great ideas. So now health bars are back. Flight is still here, but it's on a meter. Now you can I think it's only do it for a certain amount of time, or you can only do it a certain number of times, like in Battle Assault 2. I actually can't remember which. You have like a three section meter, and if you use the boost jump, it'll use up a section of the meter, so you can do three jumps. If you go into flight mode, it will drain the meter gradually. Oh yeah, that's another thing, is that in its, you know, grand innovation, uh, the original Battlemaster Instead of having punch and kick buttons like a traditional fighting game, it has a punch button, a kick button, a shoot button, and a weapon button, which do various things all the way through the different the different cast. And I think that's actually that's quite an interesting thing. One of the things that Street Fighter did in a really interesting way and was kind of um, I don't know it, it's maybe sort of distilled through playing other games. I guess you get it in games like King of Fighters and Fatal Fury is that. The buttons are all punches and kicks, but some characters don't really have access to punches and kicks. Mm -hmm. So when you press the kick button for a character who's a boxer, you know it's it's interesting to press that button and see what that does. Yeah. Whereas this this uh this shoot and weapon button, like every Gundam you get, you think, what's the shoot gonna be? What's the weapon gonna be? And that's that's cool. Especially because I mean, you shoot with a weapon, so you can't really use that as a reference. It's like you're getting mixed up by the the very design of the game. I like it. <laughs> But uh, unfortunately, because you know, because Battlemaster was too visionary for its time, or maybe any time, <laughs> that that system is gone. We're back on punch and kick buttons, but now our uh, shoot and weapon systems are now Street Fighter-like motion inputs. So if you want your Gundam to fire its gun, you trace your stick in a quarter circle forward, and you press a punch button. Yeah. And also, we end up with more fighting game stuff. That's 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 basically the sort of the thrust of the move from. <laughs> Battlemaster to Battlemaster 2 is that it becomes less like Gundam Battlemaster and more like a traditional fighting game. So in, in addition to motion inputs for special moves, we also get super moves, which are a really cool thing and are a really great way to like bring to life an action game. You know, you have like a cut in and then your character will yell something. You know, you, you take the focus of the action and that's really cool to be able to do on demand. Yeah. And particularly... Things like G Gundam really lend themselves to uh, to this kind of thing, where you know characters are yelling and doing giant screen filling laser beams and things like that, and supers are just a really like a really obvious way to implement that. Mm -hmm. And also weapons on these things that would be way too powerful to just let you do with a basic shoot or weapon input. Right, exactly. It's it's sort of that uh that fighting game ideology, I guess, that it's more satisfying to do something cool if there was a minor execution barrier to doing it, right? Mm -hmm. So uh the other thing that I wanted to emphasize and uh, emphasize slightly early, them changing it to Battle Assault for the US release 
was part of like a sort of marketing refocusing thing to make it more about Gundam Wing, which was extremely popular in the US at the time. Yeah, thanks to a um, run on Cartoon Network's Toonami. Right, exactly. And I think maybe Gundam Wing remains the most popular Gundam show in US markets. So I think that might be out of date by now. I'm not sure. I don't think Wing is the most popular anymore. Its star has somewhat fallen since its uh, big debut. I think there's a lot of people who are still nostalgic for it, but the newer shows have all picked up a lot more interest. Yeah, sure. I think Wing sells itself one way as being like very politically complex. Right. For people who were otherwise watching like Dragon Ball Z or Sailor Moon, it's like, wow, this is so complicated. What an interesting plot. Yeah, yeah. In retrospect, it is very much overcomplicated. Yeah, it's also like, well, I mean, I say this as someone who's only like experienced it secondarily. I haven't actively sat down and watched it myself, but I gather it's quite melodramatic. Yeah, and I think on rewatching some of it more recently, like, if you take it as like this very ridiculous drama that's not actually supposed to be grounded, it just works a million times better. In one of the early episodes, a character sees one of the Gundam pilots and says, is he a star prince? Which they never remark on <laughs> ever again in the show. Nice. But if you take it as the answer to that question being, yes, he is a star prince and so are the other Gundam pilots, <laughs> it suddenly like feels much more tonally appropriate. Makes a whole bunch of sense. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, a whole lot more sense? I don't know. <laughs> Because uh, like my my like if if you were to ask me what I thought about Gundam Wing from like my own experience, it would be is it the love interest from that show just yelling at the the protagonist to come and kill her or something? Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty good. I, I you know that alone has made me quite interested in watching the show, but I'm committed <laughs> to watching it in order. So yeah, I'm still waist deep in Gundam Double Zeta at the moment, which by the way is great. So that's Battle Assault or Battle Master Two. And then after that, because Battle Assault was apparently sufficiently popular in the US and indeed Europe, Battle Assault 2 was released this time only in North America and Europe in 2002. So this is interesting because it's not a direct adaptation of a Japanese Battlemaster release. It's a sequel to an adaptation of a Japanese Battlemaster release. So that's, that's, that's interesting. You don't, you don't see that very often. Like Normally the attitude is we have a game pretty much finished that we can just change the words in mm-hmm. you know that's a lot of effort but they can do it but instead they thought no we'll iterate on this game particularly for western markets and it doesn't come with a great deal of changes there are some changes so uh things like uh the dodge and guard system are changed so oh i actually can't remember <laughs> in what way it changes if you do the dodge function where you tap two face buttons at once you will do a dodge into the background really quick and that uses up one gauge of your thrust. Oh, that uses a boost stock. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I never did. <laughs> it's a it's a weird thing. It's a very weird uh, defensive option because it's it's the kind of defensive option that people will be most familiar with it from Super Smash Brothers, right? But like in a fighting game like that, it's very it's very weird to have that option. And it kind of uh, when we talk about the mechanics in a minute, I'll I'll talk about the way that that plays into you know the the various offensive options in that game because it's it's interesting. It's unusual. It's it's weird to get used to. And like you say, there is definitely a, especially because like you do it by pressing two attack buttons, you dodge by pressing two attack buttons, you you can easily just end up never doing it. Mm-hmm. The primary thing that it does, that Battle Assault 2 does, and the thing that upsets me the most about it, 
is that it removes the uh, the Zeta Gundam suits. Yeah. Which is deeply sad, because it's a great game. I think it's probably still the best uh, Gundam game, for my money. But it means it doesn't have the Cubali from Zeta Gundam and Double Zeta Gundam in it, and that's a shame, because that's the best mobile suit. I'm sorry, that's just true. Yeah, and it also would have meant that there were two female pilots in the cast instead of one who is a clone who's technically not gendered, I guess? Yeah. I don't know how it's handled in like newer translations of Double Zeta Gundam, but... Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's kind of kind of awkward that that's the only woman in the cast, but that's what happens when you know you do this with Gundam, which is that unfortunately that is how Gundam is for a real long time, you know. Yeah, there are also some exclusions with the cast that they did get that uh, even if they wanted to have all like the big ticket Gundam, they could have at least included Alan B from G Gundam. Hmm. Yeah. The design of her Gundam's also very, like, main character-like, and I think would have been a better choice Yeah, for, like, the quote-unquote story mode in this game than the American Guy Gundam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, to be fair, the American Guy Gundam is very funny. I did I did audibly laugh at that while I was playing this game earlier to in <laughs> advance of this recording, because it is... I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's because that's how G Gundam is, but it's just so so over the top in a way that is very funny to me yeah when it's something like american people it's very funny with some other groups it's uh that's uh, it's just racist yeah 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 it is like that's that's the thing about cheek gundam isn't it it is just racist <laughs> but like i you know, genuinely is very funny like is a uh, the american gundam is like a gunslinger is a uh, is standard like projectile attack you just like get some revolves out start shooting from the hip it's very funny but he's also a boxer and a surfer. You gotta tick all the boxes, you know? So yeah, they remove the Zeta Gundam suits in order to make room for the G Gundam suits, which is G Gundam, also very popular in the US. Oh yeah, there are some endless waltz suits in as well. Epion Gundam gets added to the boss cast, so it's cool because unlike in Battlemaster, you can play as them in this game, and it's very funny to do that. Because they're sort of, sort of balanced to be played with the other characters, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it when we get to the cast at large, but this game is not entirely interested in the idea of balance. No, and in many ways I respect that, because I, I feel like, you know, anime as it exists, a large portion of anime as it exists, rather, is definitely like... Not antithetical to, but it doesn't match well with the idea of balanced single combat, you know? When you win in an anime, you win by you win by degrees. <laughs> you know? You obliterate your opponent and then they befriend you. Yeah. Since this isn't really like a high level fighting game for people who are just really good at the genre, I don't think it quite has that level of depth, but for someone like me who's like interested in being good at fighting games but very bad at it. Yeah. It still allows for that level of like, oh, I beat you using that in something that is like objectively worse. Not like tier lists that change or anything over time. Like it's just worse. There's no arguing. Yeah. When your opponent picks the big Zam and you pick the ball, like that is a David and Goliath situation. <laughs> Everything's a David and Goliath situation if you're playing as the ball. Unless you're fighting another ball. <laughs> and fighting another ball as the ball is very funny. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and don't worry, we'll get to the ball. We have a lot of loving things to say about the ball, I'm sure. I guess another interesting thing about Battle Assault 2 is that it was later chopped up into budget 
uh, Wing Gundam and G Gundam fighting games for the Simple series, which I didn't know about before I before I read that video <laughs> page. <laughs> yeah, Simple series in Japan is a series of uh, budget games. Most famously, I guess, the origin of Earth Defense Force. Really? That's very interesting. Start as a budget game where like they either try to emulate a more popular game just way cheaper, or they just have some really wild idea that they just throw the minimum amount of money into to make possible. So there's the defense was like, hey, what if there was an alien invasion game where you shot machine guns at like 50 giant ants on screen? Can the PS2 handle it? It can't. Who cares? Let's do it anyway. Yeah. That's that's one of the things I love the most about Earth Defense Force. You're right, it seems to have been founded on that dream. And <laughs> they've just been gradually, gradually realizing it over time. And now it's just very much, yeah, we can fit fucking 800 ants on the screen. But they look they look like shit, but you can stamp on them and it's great. Like, mm -hmm. But in this case, it's also a place where you can, say, cut the wing characters from a full-fledged fighting game and put them in a game and say, oh, it's a Gundam wing fighting game. And cut the same thing for the uh, the G Gundam cast and sell it for, I hope below half price because that's uh, <laughs> that sucks. That is definitely below half of the below half of the cast of the game. Yeah. Yeah. A weird thing about this game that I uh, forgot to mention when I was talking about it. So the Zeta Gundam suits have been removed from the game to make room for the the G Gundam suits and the Endless Waltz suits. The Zeta Gundam suits are still in the game. You know, their files are accessible if you have Cheat Engine or whatever. You can, you know, get them out and walk them around the screen and do their moves and stuff. But, like, things like their voice lines and um, pilot art is not there, which is interesting and strange to me. Kind of a shame, just, like, since they're pretty much done, to not have them in the game. Mm, yeah, exactly. I guess you can make the argument that, like, Wing Gundam is such a copy of Zeta Gundam anyway. Yeah, yeah. There's a suit that's kind of like the Cubelay, but I mean, if you have a Game Shark, the codes are out there or on an emulator. First, we should, uh, I mean, we're talking about mechanics here and there, but uh, let's get into it. Well, the first thing you've got on this list definitely feels to me like the most important thing about Gundam Battle Assault 2, and it's the, the general feel of the game and the, the weight of how everything feels to play. Like, you know, what would you say about that? I mean, even though they've moved back to fighting game inputs for this and, you know, special moves and all that, there's like a heaviness to the characters. It's this responsive. I wouldn't say it's unresponsive, but it feels like there are restrictions that make it feel more like you're using a big machine and not a person. So, like, I think you're right when you say it's like it's not, it doesn't feel unresponsive, it, but because it, it feels like the game is uh, responding to you. It just feels like that takes a long time to do. And that's conveyed in, you know, from the way that the, the walking animations play out to the way that just, you know, even like swinging your sword just has ridiculously hefty startup animation. But you feel that weight when it connects, and that's really good. Yeah, it's uh, got very satisfying hit sound effects. Yeah, totally. Animation tied to it. An unusual recommendation I'd make for this game that I wouldn't make for others is to maybe turn the sound effects down a little bit when you play because I think the music is quite good. The music is good. Yeah, but unfortunately, I mean, true to a game where giant robots fight, you'll be hearing the sounds of bullets, uh, lasers, punching impacts and metal impacts and stuff constantly. Also, the announcer calls out some special moves. Some characters call out their own special moves. You won't be able to hear the music at all. That's yeah, that's a really weird thing. 
is that the announcer, the like for a, what felt like a majority of the characters, the announcer calls their moves for them, which means that in a in a match between two of those characters, you're both doing things at each other, and the announcer is doing double duty, just yelling, <laughs> "Oh, get him, get him!" Which I think is hilarious. Cracker grenade. Yeah, exactly. That feels like the uh, the spiritual precursor to the Street Fighter Four announcer, who's definitely one of the most extra announcers ever to have lived. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's very funny. It's very funny. Also, there's the health system for this game. A little more standard, but it's still unusual, I think, for most fighting games, is that you have three gauges. Some bosses have more. When you run out of a gauge, you will be knocked down, and I think as a holdover from the temperature gauge, the announcer will say overheating. What's interesting about this is well, a couple things. One is that individual strong hits will only knock them down to the end of a health gauge, and it won't chip into the next one. So if you use like the Gundam hammer on something with less than like half its life bar, it's kind of a waste because you won't even get to do most of the damage of it. But also it means that because you take chip damage if you block, if you have an attack that does multiple hits, it pays to actually do it at someone who is blocking because they'll be knocked out of the block. There's another thing I found out to my, my great dismay is that you can die from chip damage. <laughs> I thought I was really smart. Just trading attacks with the uh, with the big Zam, just like blocking, <laughs> punishing, blocking, but nope, just dead. When you were talking about like the responsiveness of the thing and how everything feels heavy and it feels like it has weight, the uh, the thing that it reminds me of a lot. Have you ever played any Samurai Showdown games? Yes, I have. It reminds me of that a lot. There's much less of an emphasis on getting a small hit and then converting that into a big hit, like there is in a game like Street Fighter or an anime game, and it's much more about being able to read what your opponent is going to do and preemptively make a big slow hit into them in the way that hefty combat is and that that is really satisfying mm -hmm. yeah damage is fairly high in this game yeah it's huge it's huge <laughs> like that's before you even include the the boss characters who have ridiculous attacks because that's the thing when your attacks are really slow if they're, they're slow to start up and they're slow to recover so if you do one at the wrong time and your opponent is standing there with their super meter, they can just go, great, and hit you for most of, if not all of your health bar. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, speaking of supers and things, so there's also unified inputs for the specials, which we mentioned earlier. It must have been in the original Battle Assault as well, right, where almost all of the units have, in addition to their health meter, their boost meter, uh, they also have a bullet meter, right? Yep. It's like a universal special input, except for one or two characters. You can do a forward quarter circle and press a punch button, and you'll get a, like a bullet type thing. Sometimes it's a Vulcan shot, sometimes it's a laser gun, sometimes it's, you know, it's unique to the suit. And that's that's unusual, is that there's this like bullet resource for everyone. It's like, it's like a universal resource that everyone uses in a different way, but once it's out, it's out. Yeah, you get like, I think it's 500 ammo units. I think it actually varies from suit to suit. I know they use different amounts. Yeah, yeah. We should mention the button layout for this game. Like we said, this punches and kicks is light punch, heavy punch, light kick, heavy kick, and then R1 is your booster button. So with the universal projectile attack, quarter circle forward, light punch will do just one shot or a small amount of bullets, and heavy punch will do three shots, usually out of your main weapon, or an even bigger barrage of bullets. And if you do this attack when you don't have enough ammo, your character will still do the animation. 
So yeah, that's a, that's another thing is that there's a sort of semi-universal theme of when you do a special input and you press the light button, you get a light version of that special, and if you press the heavy button, you get a heavy version of that special. It's not for every special, but quite a few specials have this feature. And there are still unique moves for the suits, but even then, if they don't all have the same exact inputs for all the moves, they all have the same input style. It's not like Street Fighter where some characters you want to charge a certain input or anything like that. This uses more circles than this one. No, it's, it's the same for everyone. It's just which combinations they have produce moves. That's it. Like, if you know, barring one or two specific exceptions, if you know how to do all of the moves for one character, you know how to do all of the moves for every character, pretty much. Yeah, and this made it much easier for me to get into it. Yeah, exactly. After I did enough moves, I stopped looking at the manual when I got a new suit, and I just went into versus mode and tried it out. And that, like, that experience of feeling as though you know all of the, you know the language that the game is written in, like, that's really satisfying, is to be able to just pick up any character and say, right, what does this character do? That doesn't do anything, that doesn't do anything. Oh, this does something, cool. This does something, cool. It's a sensation that you build up, I guess, over a long time playing lots of fighting games. Realize there are, you know, like, as there's a very specific subset of different motions that can do things. But in a game like this, they make it a, a very small set of motions that can do things. It's very satisfying, you know? It's yeah. good. I mean, there's a cast of 30 mobile suits in this game, and it is, you know, meant to appeal to just people who want more Gundam stuff. So making it a high-level execution game probably wouldn't have been in their best interest. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a great choice. Like, in fact, I would go so far as to say that as games, like as fighting games for people who don't play fighting games, as useless as that phrase is, <laughs> I would say that Gundam Battle Assault 2 is a really, really good one. If you like giant robots and you you know you appreciate fighting games, but you don't feel as though you can play a more complicated one, this is a really good one. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this got me to play other fighting games more knowledgeably. Maybe the phrase you could use is. It's a fighting game for people who don't think they like fighting games. <laughs> I like this. I like this phrase because it, it like gently implies that everyone likes fighting games, really. <laughs> you just haven't played the right one yet. That does sound like something I would say. So yeah, I'm, I'm in. I like it. We mentioned the uh, the thrust system during the, the history. Interesting in that I think that if you had these big super bosses in a game with a different thrust system, they would just completely fall apart. They're already, like, from the get-go, kind of unfair anyway. <laughs> yeah. But without this, they would be completely unfair. We'll, we'll get to it early in the, the list of suit descriptions, but playing against Big Zam has a very specific pattern, and it is not particularly fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the ability to uh, boost jump over these big enemies is a very different choice from trying to go under them or stay close or something. And I, like, I really like the way that having a thrust system and a hovering system means that you get to choose between speed in your thrust and control, right? Yeah. Because I've had quite a lot of fights with the AI where I'll boost out of a bad situation or they'll boost out of a bad situation and the other will just follow them up and they'll just, but like, because we're in such, we've got such poor control over our movement, we just kind of bump into each other in the air. I think that's very funny. Uh, I like that. Yeah. Also, we should mention this game has like a different levels of zoom. The sprites are quite big, so the thrust only works with this because the camera will zoom out. So yeah, if you uh, if you go off screen, the screen generally will zoom out to accommodate you. Yeah, or indeed, if one of you is just massive, <laughs> the screen will zoom out <laughs> to accommodate you. In single player, it will just focus on your character, which I kind of wish it didn't because that can mean 
you'll lose track of the enemy sometimes. Yeah, and especially it's because like there are some games where uh, the camera focusing on characters in particular places is used like tactically. Like it gets used in Marvel games quite a lot. If you you know go really high up in the air, your opponent completely loses track of where they are, and you can mix them up with that. But the computer is never going to fall for that because that's just not how the computer works. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so there's also a universal unblockable attack, and I think that is a really cool thing because so we talked briefly before about the dodge, like the spot dodge and guard system, where if you press two face buttons, you either dodge into the background which, you know, is definitely cheating in a 2D fighter. <laughs> or if you're too big to dodge out of the way, you can do a big shield guard. And I think that's a really interesting thing to mix together with the uh, these unblockable melee attacks, because when everything is so slow, it's quite tempting to just block a lot, like, all the time. Because, it, in like, in a standard fighting game, if someone is right up close to you and pressing a lot of buttons, they can mix up between hitting your block on hitting you quite low quicker than it's possible for you to react to right uh, and they can like jump over you and do the same thing but in gundam because everything starts up so 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 slowly and like a lot of the lows in this game are like very long slides that you get a lot of time to uh, respond to there is that temptation to just block a lot so everyone having a very slow but completely unblockable attack is a really cool idea because it means that you can't just hide you know holding down back in the corner and it also, because you can't block it cleverly, means that you have to fly up and over it. I think that's really cool. It, like, it takes a standard negative fighting gameplay loop. It makes it encourage players to use this new system they've designed. I think that's really, really clever. Yeah, yeah. I didn't actually, for most of my time playing this game back when I first played it, I didn't do the uh, unblockable attack, mostly because a half circle back was too complicated for me at first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I didn't realize that fighting game inputs are actually not that scary. They're also super slow. If you don't like see a situation where they seem super useful, then I can totally see why you wouldn't use them. Because a lot of them, like, your character will get... It's usually a beam saber or something. Your character will put their hand in their pocket, pull out their beam saber, draw their <laughs> beam saber, do a slash, sheath their beam saber, put it back in their pocket. And it takes, like, a full second to do. Yeah. <laughs> And also the announcer will call it out by saying, you can't defend. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. But yeah, I think it's it's really, it's a really cool system. And even if it doesn't get used much, it's got like quite a heavy influence on how the game feels to me, personally. Yeah, because this game rewards um, aggression fairly well, especially against the computer. The computer knows how to deal with keep away very well. Yes, yes it does. Having these in there... It's not just an important shift in the dynamic for you, but also when you fight the computer, that you have to be aware that, yeah, I want to be in close so I can keep the pressure on. But if I have any delay, that can be when they do this move. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, we mentioned it briefly before, but uh, there are super moves in this game, and they're very cool. You do a forward quarter circle, and you press two buttons at the same time. For some reason, everyone has one except... Does the ball have one? The ball doesn't, and neither does New Gundam. New Gundam. Very yeah. strange, considering how unbelievably strong that is. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's why, I guess. But it seems weird that they would decline to give New Gundam a super when they gave one to every boss character. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you get three of these. You can use them whenever you want. Yeah, so this is a... I guess this is a good time to make this point. Each player starts the game with three super stocks, 
and can use them literally as soon as they can put, pull off that quarter circle. So the thing is, I guess, that in the vast majority of cases, not every case, you can block them and they won't do much damage. But it's very weird that this, coupled with the ammo meter for your basic projectile attack, it means that this game has no resources that you build over the course of play, like the mm -hmm. EX meter in Street Fighter 2 Turbo. You'd start with resources that you eventually lose. And that is very unusual for a fighting game, but it is actually a fairly strong theme, at least in the early Gundam shows. The idea that they run out of stuff, you know, and they have to either wait to be resupplied of it or make do without it comes up yeah. quite a lot in Mobile Suit Gundam and Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam. I think it's interesting that they carried that over. Even in Gundam Wing, the Wing Gundam, the initial version of it in the show, its main gun is ridiculously powerful. It's like when you do the super move in this one, it fires that huge beam. Even in the show, it's noted as only having, I think, three shots. Yeah, I guess it's like a way to give jeopardy to the individual episodes, because the thing is that the Gundam will get, you know, scratched up and beaten up and bits of it will break and they'll say, oh, we can't fix that, you know, you'll need to make do without it. But then between that episode and the next episode, it will just get fixed and that's all fine. So, like, it's a way of carrying that over, I guess, that idea that you need to, you know, in this specific window of time, you need to make do with what you have, but whatever, it'll be fine later. But there's a specific time at which it will be fine and you have to make do until then, you know? Yeah, and it works in this format because there's no multiple rounds in a fight. You have the enemy's armor gauge as a gauge of, like, how screwed you are that you've run out of resources. That's an interesting thing, actually, because uh, when you build your EX or super meter over the course of a game, if you waste a super or something, there is the idea that you might be able to get another one, right? Whereas in this game, you start with loads of supers, but if you waste them, they're gone. And that's that's it. So it becomes about finding the most opportune moment to use them. And that's really interesting because if you die having not used all of them, that's a resource that you've wasted, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a very unusual tension. Quite a lot of the games I've played, it was confusing to me when I should properly be using my supers. Like it was figuring out like what kinds of attacks they would punish or whether I could fit them into combos and things. Yeah, it also means you can unlike most fighting games, engage the very unique opening gambit of as soon as the announcer says fight, doing your super move. Right, exactly. Because if your opponent tried to do something or maybe just did their super slightly slower than you, you might you might, you might, might clip them. And you can be knocked out of these too. So right. I remember one specific instance when I was fighting against the computer and it, it's one of those times when it was way smarter. Like it just looked a lot smarter doing this than I think it actually is. Right. I think I was using the Toggies 3 special as a big forward-facing beam. I engaged mine. I was up against the uh, Wing Zero, and the Wing Zero engaged its super, where it leaps in the air and fires diagonally downwards. <laughs> so it leapt over mine and shot me with its special. Damn. Stole a super and a bunch of life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it killed me. <laughs> also, like, my brother was watching me play, so he saw that happen. <laughs> oh, no. It didn't just kill you, it killed your soul, too. <laughs> so, this is another thing I couldn't figure out, is that um, when I was playing through Street Mode, which we'll get onto before recording this, I was playing as the Burning Gundam, and every time I did my super, there was a big cut-in, and the pilot would, like, yell something, like, a picture of him came up on the screen, he would yell something, and it would be like that for three full seconds 
before he did the big Kamehameha. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it didn't happen again. So does that only happen in street mode? Yeah, yeah. street mode, the characters have cut-ins for their super moves. In other ones, it's just the announcer shouts, destroy him, and you'll do it. Yeah, yeah. And that's presumably why only so many characters are available for street mode. Yeah, it's weird the choices they made because there are some characters in this who are voiced because they have a quick dialogue scene with a character. Like, there's one character in this game that's voiced that has not been voiced ever anywhere else in any Gundam media. (laughs) And he has, like, one line of dialogue in street mode. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah, and then other characters show up. Like, Akahana has a dub voice. No dialogue. (laughs) Sai Saiji, yep, nothing. That's so weird. They did call back the uh, the anime voice actors. I think for the most part, I think Hero's voice is different. But everyone else, I'm pretty sure, is exactly the same. And yet, they just didn't call back all of them, I guess. Also, uh, you might notice when you're playing that uh, Amaro and Catra sound very similar. That's because they're both voiced by Brad Swale. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to say about Supers before we move on. It's really, really impressive in terms of technically standardized character movesets expressing a lot of personality about the characters. This is something that is really good about, you know, it's one of the things that Street Fighter tried with a lot. And then contemporarily, Super Smash Bros. is really good for is that like a technically standardized set of moves expresses a lot about a character. Like it's the way that a character interprets punch, right? Yeah. And supers in this game are really, really good for that because like, Quite a lot of the characters do just fire big, big, big laser beams, but a lot of them do substantially more esoteric stuff, and I think that's really clever <laughs> and cool. Yeah, I think Dragon Gundams is definitely the weirdest one out of them all. Yeah, yeah, Dragon Gundams is very weird, and because I hadn't, because I hadn't seen G Gundam, Bolt Gundams Super, I feel like that's definitely a Geese Howard reference, right? Because when he, when he did when he did it in game, I was like. Wow, <laughs> that's definitely Geese Howard's Raging Storm. Yeah, it is very similar. I checked the dates to see if they lined up, and I think they kind of do. G Gundam is that thing where it, it sort of it came around at a vaguely similar time to, to Street Fighter, so it's difficult to say whether it's being inspired by Street Fighter or just the things that Street Fighter was inspired by. Inspiration from Street Fighter and fighting games is something I'm always on the lookout for as a, a boring person who only thinks about things through one lens. <laughs> <laughs> so the one thing that I noticed because I played this a bunch in 2016 one thing that I noticed this time that I didn't then is that this game has a universal throw mechanic which had completely passed me by when I when I last played it it works in the same way as throwing does in games like well, Street Fighter 2 and Guilty Gear where you run up to your opponent and you press forward and heavy punch when you're very close to them and you throw them Initially, I didn't even know what was happening because unlike other games where you get this, you know, this unblockable attack where you throw your opponent away from you, in Gundam Battle Assault 2, when you throw your opponent, you just push them back and it stuns them. Yeah. And that's really weird. And it's blockable. Is it blockable? I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. I I guess I have no way of knowing if my AI opponent is blocking me or not. So that's interesting. But that's, I guess, the thing about it is that even though it's blockable, because the unblockable attacks in this game are very, very slow, even though it's blockable, it's really fast. It's like, yeah, definitely the fastest move that you have. And it's wild, because I like these games where throws just do a set amount of damage and move your opponent away from you. Maybe give you an avenue to, like, 
renew your pressure on them, mix them up or something. This just lets you have a full combo for free. <laughs> so if you have a, a combo that starts off like a relatively fast attack, if you get a throw on someone, congratulations, you've hit it. It's very strange. It's very, very strange. There are a few occasions I've noticed where I would get the stun on someone and I would accidentally mess up like my uh, special move input and they'd already be unstunned. Like it's only fast enough that you need to actually execute your follow-up correctly or you won't get it. It's very brief. It's very brief. It's just very strange to me that they included that because uh, the other thing that I noticed about this game, and I guess I should probably talk about it now because we've gone through the rest of the mechanic stuff. We were talking before about the way that this game feels, the way that the movement has a lot of weight. Part of that is conveyed by the fact that you can, you know, you can walk back and forward like in a, a normal fighting game. You can also dash and run as these these suits. And when you stop running, your momentum carries you forward quite a lot. Yes. This has really, really peculiar implications for combos. Because if you run your opponent into the corner and start jabbing them, then because you've still got all of this forward momentum, you're not pushed out by the uh, the recovery on the move in the way that you would if you were just standing there. So I was able to, with like the, the suits with faster jabs, I was able to link like eight or nine jabs in the same combo <laughs> before my opponent got the chance to block. Then I went online and I saw what other people had done with the combo system in this game. It turns out that with some uh, suits, you can dash in, jab them a bunch of times, super them, while they're recovering from the super, dash in again, and jab them a bunch of times again <laughs> for as long as you have super stocks. Yep. That's very funny to me. Yes, there are a couple of bosses in this game where it recommends this like endless rushdown loop uh, <laughs> if you want to beat street mode. And you know, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of street mode, I figure it's a good time to get into the discussion of the various modes in this game. So instead of arcade mode, we have street mode, which is very weird because uh, as far as I could gather there were you know no streets featured <laughs> I just played as Domon and did some punch actually I had a very very strange experience with uh, with Domon's story because his story is that he has a picture of I, I eventually learned I think it was his brother yeah and his story is have you seen this person you will need to fight me okay they fight sorry I haven't seen this person like eight times, <laughs> including people who are dead by the time. <laughs> I mean, I guess they don't, they don't even exist in the same universe, right? Yeah, when he fights Gato from Gundam 0083, which is a completely different continuity. So, have you seen this person? Uh, probably not. I highly <laughs> doubt he has, considering he's from a different reality. Yeah, he also fights the Big Zam. He doesn't even ask that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They just they just fight. It's very strange. As someone who, you know, doesn't know anything functional about G Gundam, I was kind of hoping I might learn something about it, and I didn't really learn much more than I already knew. Oh yeah, this dialogue is astoundingly uninstructive as to anything happening in Gundam at all. It doesn't, like, use the space for, like, flavor or to enrich the narrative in any way. It's just very, very pedestrian. Do you have what I need to advance the story? No. Okay. I'll talk to the next person. They got the voice actors back, but maybe just because they were so so very tired and probably not paid quite as much, you know, recording five lines of dialogue in the studio and that's it. Yeah. Their deliveries are bad. Yeah, the delivery is real bad. And I guess this is a good time to talk about the delivery like in the rest of the game. The thing that stuck out to me was 
the announcer for the game. So not the battle announcer, who I think is great and is doing a fantastic job and I support them in everything they do, <laughs> is the menu announcer. Sounds very strange. They sound like they've had sort of already quite unwieldy lines written for them. And then they're reading them in a very, very strange voice. They throw them at you so often, like every time you mouse over an option, the announcer will read it to you. Every time you mouse over a Gundam on the character select screen, the announcer will read its name to you. And it becomes funny so quickly. <laughs> yeah, especially like if you don't know what she's saying, in some cases, I don't think you'd be able to tell what she's saying. Exactly. It seems like their, their method for making her sound like a computer voice was... A method that also makes her sound like she's underwater. Yeah, so not only does she sound like she's underwater, but she says these names with a completely nonsensical cadence. Like, <laughs> no one who was ever saying those names would say them with that rhythm, and it, because it says it in the same rhythm every single time, it's really, really, really funny. Wing Gundam, zero custom. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it at all. It's all that silly. Like, if you went through the, the whole list, I think you would be in stitches by the end, because it just sounds so silly. <laughs> Imagine, then, after an hour of messing around with the, the versus mode, like, listening to all these names and just having a, a great old laugh to myself. I finished street mode. The credits rolled. I finished street mode. I saved my game. And then, after the save comes up, it tells you, you unlocked this Gundam. And then in the really the really weird announcer voice with again that sounds like you know an alien speaking who's just had so weird is the grip on the English language says the phrase you better go fight some more but like <laughs> in just in a completely ridiculous rhythm it's it, 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 it's really funny really really funny yeah machine learning how to be alluring God it was so funny. So, so, so funny. If it had a face, it would be like doing eyebrows at you. Like, ah. <laughs> and that was it. It was because it, the only experience I'd had with it so far was it failing to sound convincingly like a person when saying Gundam names. So that this was written so conversationally made me really, really laugh. <laughs> so at Street Mode, you have a limited selection of characters, the ones they wanted voices for. You play through eight predetermined fights. I think they roughly want to capture the arc of whatever the character did in their show, but they don't have all the units they fought against. So sometimes you will fight something from a completely different reality, and also in a lot of these fights, they're not very fair to you. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not the most. Like, uh, I, I'd sort of alluded to this earlier, but I think it's the, the, yeah, the penultimate stage of... Uh, penultimate? Maybe, maybe, maybe the one before that as Domon is you fight the, the Big Zam. And the Big Zam is, for anyone who hasn't seen Mobile Suit Gundam, too tall for the screen. The thing about the Big Zam that is really, really funny is that its legs have hitboxes as it walks forward. It walking forward will damage you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't really like have a strong grip on the systems, this is a very, very annoying experience because there doesn't seem to be any possible way to beat it. But what is weird about it because it's a you know it's a fighting game AI it's made to be sort of vaguely playable against like if it you know could play perfectly you'd never win if you fly over it and land behind it it just doesn't turn around like it has a it doesn't turn around automatically like most fighting game characters do when jumped over while you're on the wrong side of it its options are to do its use its homing missiles which consume its ammo meter and like back kick and also do the ground pound 
Yeah, which is very slow. Yeah, the, it's very slow. So the, that's the idea, is that you get on the other side of it, you just pressure it while it, and dodge its very slow attacks, and then hope it doesn't jump back over you, which it can do. Because eventually one of those models will just say, no, I can't be in this corner any longer with a giant thing above me. And either it will slide over the top of you, or you'll slide out from underneath it. Both can happen. Though, being out in front of it, yeah, you can get far away from it, and that'll give you enough time to dodge its missiles. You still are at risk of it doing its super move, which is a giant beam that will do a crap load of chip damage, even if you block. Getting even even chipped by its its giant laser beam is the worst. And if you get hit by it, that's probably a whole health bar gone. And as Sid mentioned earlier, the bosses will sometimes have I think it's four, but it could be five health bars. It's weird to fight against because it's one of the most blatantly uh, asymmetrical encounters that you can have in that game. And like you know, in fighting games which are they're so heavily predicated on being a symmetrical fight. It's weird, not only that they included this boss in the first place, but also that you can play as that boss in the versus mode. Mm -hmm. In fact, you can just have two of them. Just just get right up and start kissing each other with laser beams. <laughs> it highlights something very unexpected for this game, especially as a change I think they did make from Battle Assault 1 to Battle Assault 2. I was surprised, in retrospect, how playing as the original Gundam, the RX-78, against Big Zam, was not significantly more difficult than fighting it with Burning Gundam from G Gundam? Yeah, so well, this is something I guess that we'll talk about a bit more because it's the first mobile suit on our list, but the RX-78 original Gundam feels very, very strong, like, as a unit. Uh, I played quite, I played around with it quite a bit because I like that suit design a lot, and it has a lot of options and, like, very strong attacks. Yeah, originally it didn't quite have those options in previous games, even though it's the big iconic suit, it was kind of bad. Also, you can unlock a few more characters for street mode. You'll first unlock them just for that mode. Then you beat their street mode and you'll unlock them for versus mode. There's one, maybe two mobile suits you unlock by beating every street mode on hard. So if you don't want to keep replaying street mode, I don't think it changes numbers, but it just makes the AI more aggressive. It's a perpetually weird thing playing uh, fighting games against an AI, but like the main thing that difficulty does to a fighting game AI, because of the way that it exists inside the game, always knows exactly what you're doing at any given time. Definitionally, then, it knows what the correct answer is. So if you slide, if you do like a low-hitting attack from all the way across the screen at an AI, they can block it, they just choose not to. If they were, you know, not recovering from a move, if they could block it, you know, they always know that they could have done that, right? So a difficult fighting game AI will just intentionally get hit less often. <laughs> <laughs> Playing fighting games against hard AIs is a strange experience. It's rough, but playing it on normal, like I felt like I was up against the ropes a few times. I still think that it felt fair, but I felt also that it could become way less fair soon. Right, exactly. Like uh, with my, you know, non-existent knowledge of how this game actually works, ran into one maybe two fights in street mode on normal where like i felt like my my alternating of mid and low attacks was not not getting me anywhere my opponent was just <laughs> effortlessly blocking everything and i thought i oh, don't really know how to play this game but then my opponent did like anything that didn't hit me and i was like great super time so the game gives you the tools at least you know you have a lot of options at any given time yeah, I picked it up just one time before uh, this recording, and Domon's seventh out of his eighth fights against Master Gundam, I got hit like maybe twice, and I just completely annihilated that guy. Yeah, I found Master Gundam very easy, actually, yeah. 
So, I mean, I feel like hard mode, even if it's a lot of added pressure, is probably more balanced towards being comfortable with how the system works. Right, yeah, exactly. There are also time attack and survival modes. I didn't actually experiment with any of those. Or maybe I had a quick look at survival mode and it was just well, it was what you'd expect. It was a survival mode. You, your health carries over between matches and you just have to keep going. So time attack mode, there's two different versions, A and B. A, you fight eight random regular mobile suits. Not bosses, it's just a random selection. Time attack mode B, you fight the four giant bosses in this game. And you might think, I don't recall fighting a fourth giant boss. That's because the last one is Psycho Gundam Mark III, which is original to this game. I see, this is an interesting thing. I think I read that it was original to a Game Boy Advance game? And that was the only other thing that it's been in. But it is original to Gundam video games, crucially. It would probably be weirder if they chose to include something that they invented for another video game, but what advantages does it have over the Psycho Gundam Mark II? Like, it appears to have more guns on it. If you can imagine such a thing. I, mean, I guess we'll, we'll get onto that when we actually talk about it actively, but yeah, it's a, a weird choice, a weird inclusion. And survival mode, you do recover your current armor gauge for beating a fight, so if you get knocked down one, you'll never get it back and you get one unit of Mega Special back per win. The weird thing about this is that you can still play it as the boss suits. Mm -hmm. So those things, not only do they have a whole bunch of health bars, they also lose them very, very slowly and have like vastly more powerful attacks than the standard suits that you're going to be up against. So like, you just plow through them. <laughs> yep. I got up to like seven or eight wins as the Psycho Gundam Mark III without really thinking about it it just kind of happened and i thought this isn't this isn't very engaging so i stopped but you know it, it, it would be an interesting challenge because you have to get what is it 20 wins to to unlock the the unlockable from doing survival mode yeah yeah 20 wins you unlock the noia zeal from gundam 083 and uh survival mode is also not affected by your difficulty selection it's just how far in you are do you know if the uh, the time attack, so it picks your eight regular suits and picks them at random, can it pick the crap ones? Can it pick the ball? Yeah, I, I fought a ball. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of weird that they tie an unlock to beating it under a certain amount of time when your run could be vastly different. Exactly, yeah. Because <laughs> the Epion's technically not a boss enemy because it's not like a giant boss. So you could fight that and just get completely annihilated. Yeah, Ep Epion is very, very, very powerful. <laughs> all right, and that's all the modes, and did the big mechanics overview, so now it's just uh, talk about the cast. All those juicy, juicy robots that you've all been waiting to hear. Which is the best and worst Gundam? <laughs> but let's start with the RX-78-2 original Gundam, piloted by Amuro Ray. There it is. It's, it's, it's a great suit, and it's a lot of fun to play. I think Gundam Versus did this quite well as well, more recently than, than this game. But it made you know the classic old suit still a lot of fun to play. It still feels fresh mechanically, and I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's got like a decent amount of utility and focus on strong hits instead of like really flashy combos. So it kind of encompasses the idea of it being like an older fashioned style of fighting without it being older fashioned therefore garbage because it's technology that's old it's got like a bunch of specials 
the first suit I tried was um, Sazabi, and Sazabi has like four specials, whereas the the original Gundam has like seven or eight. Like mm -hmm. there are the suit can do a lot of things. Yeah, and some inputs even produce a different move if you do them in midair. Yeah, yeah, like uh, and it has a it has more than one more than one unblockable attack, right? It can do a grounded unblockable attack with a beam saber and then an aerial one with a javelin. And it also has another unblockable saber attack it can do with an even easier input. This is part of the reason I didn't learn the full saber input because I think it's just like down back punch. The Gundam will leap in the air and do like a downwards plunging stab with the beam saber and it's unblockable like the regular saber attacks and it's way faster. Yep, it's pretty, pretty good. One of those moves that would definitely, if you played this game as a kid, would definitely have really annoyed you when your friend just kept using it, because <laughs> counterplay is not obvious, and it's very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just lunge forward and saber them into the ground, and uh, yeah, it's pretty good. It's mega special, like we mentioned earlier, is the Gundam Hammer, which is the highest damaging single hit in the game, but it also has the most specific targeting. Oh, it's good. Yeah, the most highest damage single hit because there are loads of <laughs> there are supers in this game that do like sixty hits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really strong. But uh, yeah, it, it hits a it hits a specific small location some distance away, and it's quite weird. And it like it it's you know quite a long startup, I guess. It got some good use out of bosses, but also the fact that it's hard to aim makes it very satisfying when you finish an enemy with it because it's just such a hard hit and it's like it's a really good animation as well like it's a, it's a real like whip motion it really like slams down in a very satisfying way yeah then we move on to the zaku 2 piloted by denim the second person ever to die on screen in <laughs> and the villains i guess but yeah so yeah this this suit is really cool it's slightly tragic for reasons we're about to get onto. But it's what you want from the video game rendition of a, of a Zaku, right? Yeah. It's fast, it charges, it, it's cheap and cheerful, it's cool. And it's, it's grenade-like projectile attack is... Cracker grenade. Yeah. That's a really fun tool to use because you, uh, naturally your plan as the Zaku is to get your opponent right up into the corner and start hassling them. And the cracker grenade makes that really easy because then you throw that in front of them and then that's an avenue of escape that's cut off to them. Yeah. The Mega Special throws out a flurry of three flurries of three cracker grenades. They move kind of slow and they detonate after a set point, but they blow up before that. Yeah, they are proximity as well. Yeah, because it's nine grenades, it's actually fairly good against bosses. Mm, yeah, yeah. But also, you can make it an easy trap for an enemy to move into. Yeah, it's a cool Zaku. I like it. And oh yeah, its gun is fairly powerful as well. That's, that's something that surprised me about it. Yeah, because uh, we didn't mention the original Gundam... It has the head-mounted, like, small machine guns, which is actually not an ammo-using move. No, it isn't. It's a, it's a, it's sort of a weird half-special. It's, like, one of the only special inputs in the game, maybe the only special input in the game, that isn't, like, a, a full motion. You just tap backwards and then forwards and then press the punch. But its regular shooting attack is it fires its beam rifle, so it either fires one shot or, with the heavy input, it fires three individual shots. Whereas the Zaku has a machine gun... So you always get multiple hits either way. So uh, when I said that the, the Zaku was tragic, uh, it's because it's a great, well-designed unit uh, that's fun to play. But unfortunately, Shah's Zaku is the Zaku not only red, but that's very important that it's red. It's also way faster. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like massively, massively faster. 
Not only is it massively faster, but its cracker grenades are just loads better. They go much further and last longer before exploding. It's, it's upsetting. Poor, poor Denim. Like, <laughs> come on, Shah. That's the worst thing, is that Shah is in this game two other times. They couldn't let <laughs> Denim have this. Nope. Also, there's just a ton of people in Gundam with a custom Zaku too. Yeah, yeah. Still, they had to make it Shah. <laughs> and, I mean, it's iconic. But so is the Zaku. Like, they're both in this game because the Zaku is iconic. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But they did it in reverse. They're like, well, we have to have the Zaku. It's iconic. And then they're like, we have to have Shar's Zaku in it. Yeah, it's like, oh, you couldn't you couldn't take one of those out? Or, you know, just do something to make it so that the Zaku 2 doesn't completely retrofit the basic Zaku? I mean, yes, it is technically a different model or whatever. And yes, it is better. It has a little point on its head. <laughs> <laughs> so there's yet another way in which this game doesn't care about balance right there yeah yeah though like for all that i'll complain about like the way that it, it makes denim sad it does feel very cool and like an important beat for a gundam game to hit to press boost as shazaku and just go flying into the air like that is very satisfying i mean the zaku has pretty good rush down with its you know it's got a machine gun it's got a grenade flurry it also has a shoulder tackle and all of these are also faster and to keep pace with some of the like more over-the-top suits, that's probably what it needs. Yeah. It feels like actually very good, even balanced rest of the cast, in some ways that even the Gundam isn't. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, the, the, the speed that Shazaku has is, like, unique, you know? It's really cool. Yeah, I dig it. Then we move on to the big Zam. Which we've kind of talked about at length, yeah. It's hard not to. It takes up a lot of the screen, you know? It demands to be, uh, to be acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And like we mentioned, it can't turn around, it can damage you by walking into you, and it has a big array of guns on it, so it can either fire a five-way shot of lasers above it or below it. It can launch homing missiles that will stop once and then rotate towards you and then keep going, so that's the moment where you want to fake them out. It also has its kicks pretty damaging, though not more so than it walking into you. <laughs> yeah. So the upward-firing lasers are really interesting. So when you see this unit that's like twice as tall as you that you have to like boost twice just to get over the top of, it feels like a joke that it has an attack that shoots above it, right? But there's actually a sort of a, a sort of like a Chekhov's gun kind of thing because the thing about the boost dash, it's vulnerable, right? This firing upwards attack is pretty slow, so getting over the, the big exam is still your best bet. But mm -hmm. if they can read you doing it, they can shoot you out of the air and then you're in the blender again, and that's really fun. That's neat. That they can do that yeah it doesn't turn around but they thought about the fact that it can't turn around <laughs> yeah exactly yeah also it has its uh its mega special where it fires off its big main cannon yep it's uh, appropriately pretty disastrous for it to hit you even if you're blocking and if you're not you're gonna have a bad time <laughs> right the uh the other thing about the big zam's big main cannon is you'll have to correct me if you know this is wrong but I think it might be the only huge laser beam that directly tracks your opponent. Like, all gun attacks in this game have a period where they track, maybe a shot or two will miss, but this is the only special that operates the same way with its tracking. Yeah, it's the only super the only super beam that does the same thing, because there are lots of other supers that do big beams, but they fire on quite specific trajectories, whereas because the big zam is so big, it just points it pretty much straight at you as long as you're in front of it. Mm -hmm. And that sucks, because <laughs> it's very, very damaging. <laughs> does look pretty cool, though. 
It sure does. It's great to do to someone else, but it sucks when it happens to you. <laughs> yeah. The other thing about it is that, because obviously the first thing that you do after your friend picks Big Zam is that you also pick Big Zam. So one of you will be Big Zam, <laughs> the other will be a blue Big Zam. And the Big Zam can't block, so there's no reason not to just super right into your opponent's face three times. <laughs> and like then, then the game becomes about, well... I do less damage while my opponent is overheating from my attack, so I need to maximize the damage output of each of my three supers, and like, it's very silly. It's so silly, and I'm so glad this game accommodates it. I think that's great. I don't know if the camera gets ever more zoomed out than when you have two bosses fighting against each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. They, they, they don't even really fit on the screen, because like, they, they start stood quite close to each other, so it doesn't zoom out there for, for some reason. Like, it just, you know, it starts off not that zoomed out, and it's really funny mm -hmm. to just see these mechs that don't even really fit on the screen, like, squaring up, like, looking at each other in the eyes, ready to fire these giant lasers as soon as the announcer says go. Yeah. Like we mentioned, the second player is blue. You can also pick the alternate color by holding R1 when you select a character, but the blue big exams is probably the most different one, because some of them look barely any different in the player 2 color. Yeah, like, I guess with, it's it's easily noticeable with Big Zam, because Big Zam's all one color, right? Like, it's, you know, it's one bright color changing to one other bright color, so. Yeah, but stuff like the Epion, the player 2 color is slightly more faded purple paint. <laughs> well, yeah, because Epion as well is, like, busy, as in, like, not necessarily just the design itself, but the, the sprite in the game. It's quite busy. Whereas Big Zam is very bold. Like, it's still detailed, but it, visually it's bold, you know? Yeah. Alright, and then after that we have the uh, Zeong, also piloted by Char, uh, that I used at the end of the original Gundam series. This is a great mobile suit. Yeah. This one's interesting in that when you play Char's street mode as the Zaku 2, your final fight against Amuro, you're in the Zeong for just that fight. Really? I didn't know that. That's very funny. Yeah, it's kind of odd because in Amuro's street mode, you fight Char and Izaku 2 twice, huh. but you never fight Amuro <laughs> in Char Zaku 2 in his street mode. You only fight Amuro at the very end and you're in the Zeong. That is weird. That is very weird. So Zeong is one of my favorite mobile suit designs in the show, and it comes across really well into the game. It's Again, it's an example of that thing, of like the way in which different characters interpret this standard language of attacks and movesets is very cool. Uh, Zeong's, like, I think it's just jumping heavy kick. I mean, I guess it's like the engines, but it's like big laser beams come out of the bottom in a way that looks really, really cool. Yeah, all of his heavy kicks are using just the thrusters as attacks, which is not even like a thing from the show, that's just an original interpretation. Yeah, exactly. It's using, it's using the capital of the character's visual design in a really cool way. Yeah. Another thing about it is that it's super is ridiculous <laughs> because the thing about the Zeong, the thing about the Zeong is that uh, it's an early iteration of these new type controlled mobile suits, right? Mobile Suit Gundam's big vision for how psychic powers would revolutionize warfare is that they would have guns connected to strings and they would just move them around <laughs> in space with that. And Zeong is one of those, but its guns connected to strings are also its hands. So its super is that it flings its hands at you, but then they go around the back and push you towards it, and then lasers start happening, and then its hands come back round again, and it's like a weird spaghetti laser thing. <laughs> it's really funny. 
You can control the hands. Really? Oh, I didn't notice. I was just just mesmerized by the animation when it was happening on the screen. They do some stuff on their own if you don't, but I found it was pretty useful. When I was doing Char's final fight in street mode, the Gundam was like jumping as I did the attack, so I just held the stick upwards and caught it completely, and like I hit it multiple times in midair because of that. If you leave it to its own devices, like if you do it uh, when your opponent is spaced correctly, it like knocks them up into the air and hits them with a load of the beams, and that feels, you know, feels pretty powerful to do. And also, its uh, gun attack is quite effective because it fires a flurry of like three lasers from each of its hand cannons. Yeah, that's that's actually a that's one of the, one of the characters that feels to me like it blurs the line between the stock suits and the boss suits, which I think when you consider how ridiculous the boss suits are, is an impressive feat. Yeah. And it does make up for the fact that the Ziyang is also pretty bulky, so it is a big target and it's easier to hit. Right, exactly. The other thing that uh, the Ziyang has, is, as I alluded to with the things on strings, it's punch normals that distends its hands and sends them at you. Yeah. Got to get in versus the Ziyang, which is something of a theme for Mobile Suit Gundam. <laughs> close-up aggression, there are, there are some problems with it. Speaking of close-in aggression, uh, the next suit is the Ak Guy, piloted by Akahana, the man with the big red nose. Ak Guy is, again, one of the best mobile suit designs out there. It's absolutely perfect. I love it. Mm -hmm. It's a big, uh, big teddy bear. So much so that in Gundam Build Fighters, there's just literally teddy bear models of the Ak Guy. Yeah, it's great. The thing about Ak Guy that I, I wanted to make sure I didn't forget to mention is that uh, this game, like a lot of fighting games, after the battle, there will be some dialogue between the two characters if they have anything to say to each other. Normally, it's stock dialogue where they just say, you've beaten me, but sometimes it'll be, you know, plot-related dialogue or things like that. While just messing around with the characters in versus mode, I was playing against two characters who I'm pretty sure were from different universes. So it was the Ak Guy pilot and a character who was from, I think, Gundam Wing? And I won because the opponent was set to really low AI. I was just testing out the characters. <laughs> and I said nothing, and my opponent smiled and said, Well done, Ak Guy. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, that's so weird. I mean, yes, Ak Guy is good, well done. But also, why is that in the game? <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, weird lines said, post and pre-battle, actually, in street mode for Wing Zero, when you fight Zex, the pilot of the Toggies 3, his line, it's delivered correctly, but it says, apparently this is also only in some prints of the game, even though it might be a meaningless battle, I must taste battle with you? Uh, I guess because the word taste is next to battle, though, it says, I must tassel battle with you. <laughs> I must tassel battle with you. Dress up nice <laughs> and have a tassel battle. That's hilarious. If you lose to um, Heavy Arms in Wing Gundam Street Mode, then Tro will say, Hero, it is time to face the times. Aha. Uh -huh. This game has an interesting relationship with the English language. I can really only recommend you play it to see what that's like. But yeah, the Akai is really fast, which is actually not like a characteristic it has from the show. That's just a complete like invention. I feel like I remember there being a shot of the Ak Guy running really fast, but maybe my brain's backfilling that from seeing it in the game. Because, uh, yeah, Ak Guy has, I think, the fastest dash in the game. It's, like, really, really fast. Yeah, it just books it. It's super. Like, you get the super freeze, the Ak Guy strikes a pose, and then it just rolls into you. And then it hits the edge of the screen and it rolls back <laughs> again. And, like, you d it doesn't freeze you while you do this. 
you can still you can move away <laughs> it's weird it's weird to watch yeah it's really funny i dig it even though i don't really like looking at akahana's face because it's intentionally drawn to look unpleasant but you can go into the options menu and turn pilot display off so you don't see their faces in the corner why why can you turn that off that seems like such a weird <laughs> option to have i didn't understand that at all and it's in the corners of the screen, so it's not like, oh, I can see more now. Like, not really. Yeah. And then, this is marked on, like, most listings as being from Mobile Suit Gundam, the 08th MS team. It's the ball piloted by Shiro Amada, the main character of 08th MS team. Yeah. The ball. Everybody loves the ball. In a game, like... It's so it's just so good that they put this character in the game. In a game with fucking Big Zam and the the Noyazil, you can play as a little ball. I think it only has two health bars, right? Like it's so fragile. It takes so much damage. It's so funny. Yeah, it takes extra damage from attacks. Yeah. Weird thing is that like the ball that Shiro used in Oh Eight the Mess Team is actually still better than this one. This is the one from the original series. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm pretty sure I saw this ball in either Mobile Suit Gundam or Zeta Gundam, right? Yeah. And it's not individually frustrating because I'm glad the ball's in the game, but, like, Shiro pilots two different cool Gundams in the MS team, and neither of those are in this game. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. That is very funny. Oh, another thing I remember about the, uh, the ball is that it has, you know, it has the uh, ammo attack, the projectile attack that, like, everyone else has. It, it fires, like, twice. Yep. <laughs> and then it runs out. <laughs> Pretty much unusable. Also, instead of a beam saber, it has a little drill. Oh yeah, it's, I, I remember noticing its throw animation. Like, it ejects like a wrench from its hand. I don't really understand what was going on there. Well, I mean, in the show, like, balls are mostly used for construction and they get kind of repurposed for combat. Yeah, yeah. The Federation in that show doesn't start mobile suit production until later in the show, so they need something. <laughs> so that's why it sucks. For sure. I was just confused as to what about the wrench in particular conveyed stunning the enemy? <laughs> I don't know. Mentally stunned. I can't believe that you just threw a wrench at them. Ah, yes, of course. Getting that sick mental damage. Free mix-up. <laughs> yeah, it leaves you open to do a combo such as, like, maybe hit it three times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the other thing about the, the ball is that it has a very, very fast jab. That's about all you can say about it. <laughs> Part of me wants to try and, like... No, I have tried playing survival mode with the ball just to see how far I get. <laughs> I didn't get even close to 10 fights. Yeah, no, it's like you said, you take so much extra damage from attacks that you're at an enormous disadvantage in literally any encounter, <laughs> so... Like, I will say, most fighting games, even if you pick the lowest of low-tier characters and your friend who, like, never plays fighting games picks the best character, you'd still completely whoop them. Maybe not in this case, if you play just the ball. No, the ball is at a significant disadvantage. I think... Does a good matchup exist for the ball? And if so, what is it? Is it the Zaku 2 and nothing else? Excepting the ball. Uh, Zaku 2 is like, good though. <laughs> like, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's got stuff. No, everyone else has stuff. <laughs> the ball <laughs> distinctly lacks stuff. I was about to say, yeah, let your friend plays like the heavy arms and have them drain all the ammo, but it still has ranged attacks besides that, so, no. And its normals are better. Yeah, yeah, the, the heavy arms has a bunch of other attacks. It's funny that it's in the game, though. I mean, that's what I'm gonna say, and I appreciate that they took one of these very specific slots. They have two Zakus, but they do have the ball. This is a great thing about old fighting games. In 2018, where, like, 
every fighting game character has to justify its inclusion in the game because you might have to buy it separately. Mm-hmm. Genuine joke characters don't exist anymore. In like Ultra Street Fighter Four, Dan was still quite playable. He's actually like pretty good, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was he was absolutely fine. If you if you wanted to play Dan like there were people who were Dan players, you know? Whereas if you tried to do that in what, Street Fighter Alpha Two, you would just get completely clowned on. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't exist anymore. So it's really cool to play a game that has a genuine joke character. Yeah. I think that's fun. I like it. And to throw like a non joke character in it is just like a kind of funny contrast but i mean it was considered impressive in eighth ms team when he beat an enemy using a ball so you could take it as like can you live up to that legend yeah exactly giving you that option to try and surmount that hill but not making it so that they're just a fine character pretending to be a terrible character is a bold choice and i like it yeah so yeah after the ball we have the high gog yeah, the original Gog design and the original Gundam I'm not like too fond of. It's just like a less cuddly, longer-armed version of the Ak guy. Yeah, it is just a longer Ak guy. <laughs> found his like, armaments fine, but kind of boring, like in games where you could play as it. I don't like its moveset. But the High Gog is like a much more sleek, streamlined, cool version of the Gog in every way. It's one of those fighting game characters that has a, a moveset that is very like flowy. Because it has the really long arms and like... It sort of hassles you from a distance, which is a really cool thing for a suit that seems to be focused on getting in and doing damage. Like, it's aggressive, but from a sort of mid-distance, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a mid-range rushdown suit. Yeah, exactly. Its projectile attack is not like a direct shot attack. It pulls out like a capsule, and the capsule breaks open and fires three homing missiles, meaning it's the only suit where its regular ammo shooting attack its projectiles can be active the same time you're doing stuff. Yeah. Because it's not the only one that fires missiles as its main attack, but the Big Zam you can move, but not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Big Zam doesn't really count. I was, I would say that it's not the only suit that can attack in that way, because as we get into funnel attacks, there's a lot of goofy stuff you can do with funnel attacks in that same kind of genre. Yeah, but funnel attacks are also like a special move setup. They're not like the ammo attack. Sure, yeah, fair enough. But like it definitely like tempts you to say, you know, set this projectile off from really far away, run in after it, and you can either, you know, you can run ahead of it or run behind it and confuse your opponent with what your approach is going to be that way. Pressure the opponent to move into the homing missiles or use the homing missiles to pressure the opponent to moving towards you. Yeah, exactly. And owing to, I guess, its really long arms, uh, the Hygog also has really like goofy good uh, air buttons. It's heavy air buttons that like stick its hands out a really, really long way. So you can homing missiles along the ground, jump in and do a really silly long distance attack at very low risk to yourself. That's really cool. It's got kind of the reach of the Gundam Javelin, the air unblockable move that the Gundam can do. But you don't have to do a special input with this, so it's way easier. And it's much faster as well. Yeah. And moving on from that, there's the GPO-2A Vicellus from Gundam 0083, piloted by Honorable Gato. Oh yeah, this is one of the cool ones. Yeah, I really like this one. It's weird because in the show it's from, it looks like it gets stolen by the Xeon, but it looks evil already by default. Yeah, yeah. Like, everything about it looks evil, and it's got a bazooka that can shoot normal shells and also a nuclear shell. 
Yeah, so it has its standard projectile attack is it, it draws its bazooka and fires it one or three times, I think, depending on which button you press. So this attack's like super slow, but if the heavy version hits you, like the first hit will combo into the second and the second will combo into the third. So And it does like your whole health bar. Yeah, it's really strong. So that's a very, very effective punish tool and it's something that you need to be like, you need to be aware of. Like after the first time you get hit by it, you'll be like, damn, I really don't <laughs> want to get hit by that again. Its other moves are quite slow. Like this is a suit where I like it, but I feel like I only like it for a few things a lot. Right. So yeah, I think this suit does specific things very effectively and very evocatively. So this suit also has a giant shield, and you get one move that it like has a very rapid rising attack with the shield, mm -hmm. and it like knocks your opponent into the air. That has very substantial implications for this like projectile zoning game you're playing. And like its other bazooka attack is it fires three bazooka shots into the air and they drop down on your opponent and they have to like, you know, they have to block those and think about how you're going to, you know, mix them up by running in after them, stuff like that. I think the suit's very cool. I like it. Yeah. And it's, um, it's rising attack, like hitting enemies and taking them into the air. It's not the only one that does it, but there are a lot of rising moves in this game that are made specifically for anti-air. Like they're not that effective on enemies on the ground already. Yeah. That was something that actually really surprised me about this game, is that there are characters that look like they have, you know, standard, like, fighting game, I guess, suites, where they'll have, like, projectile attacks, uh, particularly, like, I guess when I played the Burning Gundam, basically that, like, rising attacks don't do the thing that you might expect them to do coming off Street Fighter, right? They rise because they need to hit your opponent in the air. They don't have any, like, startup invulnerability or anything like that. It's just, it. if you need to get into the air, you can do it with that attack. Yeah. If your opponent is right in front of you, they don't do anything. You have to block. Like That's why I forgot, probably, about using the rising attack against the big Zam. But, like, that is another use for using them against big bosses. They're quite effective. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But the GPO2's mega special, the Atomic Bazooka, is, like, the premier thing to fuck up a big boss with. It's so good. Yes, I, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it's very, very good for that purpose. Yeah, it launches a shell diagonally in the air, and it detonates and creates a huge area of effect multi-hit explosion. So not only is this like a really cool tool for beating bosses, but like this is one of the supers that really like stuck out to me as like an interesting design choice for this game, because... A lot of the supers in this game, you know, you just do a big attack and it does a lot of damage. Like, it's a big screen-filling laser beam, and if your opponent isn't blocking, it'll do a lot of damage or it'll do a lot of chip damage, right? So this atomic bazooka, the explosion is off the ground, mm -hmm. and it's, like, at a specific range from your opponent. So quite a lot of suits, standing height will not actually be hit by it, or they'll be hit by it once or twice, and they will duck under it, and they yeah. won't be hit by the rest of it. So you have to actually either get a really hard read and your opponent jumps into it. And, you know, people jump a lot in this game. There's a flight button in this game. That makes sense. But you basically, like, set up a puzzle. Well, it's like a puzzle for you because you have to figure out how you're going to get them into that super high damage zone. Because if they get hit more than once by that explosion, it's going to take out a chunk of their life. Mm -hmm. And the way that I did it is that you can chase them down and shove them into the air with your shield. And that works fine. And there's, you know, there's other ways of doing it. I think the uh, the crouching heavy punch might do it, knock them up into the air a bit. As a standard for suits, usually your crouching heavy punch will be a sort of uppercut type move. Your crouching kick will be some kind of slide kick or like long reaching kick. Or yeah, or like sweep, yeah. That will knock your opponent down, usually. 
And moving on from that, there's the Noia Zeal, also piloted by Anavo Gato, the only representative of 0083 in this game. So, I think, I don't know, I'm not sure if it beats the Psycho Gundam Mark III, but this is one of my picks for the best boss character. I think it has almost all of the benefits of the Big Zam, with none of the downsides. Yeah, pretty much none of the downsides. It's got much stronger melee options. Yeah, it's got detachable hands like the Zeong does and can, you know, slap you up. Uh, if you decide to give up trying to evade it, it can, like, beam saber you and do a bunch of damage. It can actually turn around, unlike the Big Zam can. And it does this by moving off the screen, which is very weird. I think you might not be hittable while you're off the screen, which yeah. is a sort of weird evasion technique. Yeah, it's like a tackle move, but when you perform it when you're past the enemy, you'll switch sides. Yeah, exactly. And, um... It can also fly. It can just, you know, it doesn't have any feet. Because it's a mobile armor that was only made for use in space, right? Yeah. So it just doesn't have any feet. So it just flies all the time. If your opponent tries to jump over you like they did the big exam, you can just meet them in the air and melee them back to the ground. And, you know, resume your very silly projectile pressure. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing is that it's a standard projectile laser. Has like very, very good tracking. Mm -hmm. Your aim will just follow them as they fly. It does like a bunch of damage. I boosted to dodge one of those laser flurries once, and I jumped, and I missed the first set, but the second set did catch me still, which is unusual for projectiles. Yeah, you'd think you're out of it by then, but it just keeps tracking you while it fires. I feel like I remember the Mega Special Beam tracking you, but even if not, like it fires at an angle that can catch you at a wide variety of places. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But it's a it's a cool suit. Like it's a very cool design, and it's cool that there's a another character that's of a similar size to the Big Zam because the other like big boss is not as big as those two. I will say though, I feel like a Noizio versus Big Zam matchup's just gonna go in the Noizio's favor. Well, so that's an interesting one. So when I mentioned that the Big Zam beam is because as we've established, you're not blocking in this matchup. Mm -hmm. The Big Zam Beam having tracking, I think, actually makes quite a substantial difference because the, the Noia Zeal's super laser fires in a an up-and-down pattern. Yeah, yeah. It, like, sweeps out a path. So unless I'm very much mistaken, I think the Big Zam might be able to jump over some portion of it if you catch it at the right time. Unless I'm, like, forgetting how high above the Big Zam the Noia Zeal can fly. I think the Big Zam might have some advantages. Not, not you know, it's not a solved matchup or anything. I just think it might not be an instant win for the Noia Zeal. That's my matchup analysis. <laughs> I guess I'm also thinking about using the tackle to, like, go off screen to avoid stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a thing. I think you probably can't do it when you're already being hit. No, you can't. You could probably do it to read... You know, if you, if you saw the Super Flash for the Big Zam Beam, you might be able to get out in time or something. Yeah, I guess just in my memory, I, I've always beaten a Big Zam. Maybe after this, we'll have to <laughs> we'll have to stream a first to ten Big Zam versus Noiseal <laughs> money match. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I already spent money to get stuff for this free podcast, so I may as well <laughs> <laughs> have a prize fight online. Mm -hmm. And uh, next up, I'm surprised these two suits weren't taken out from Double Zeta Gundam. The first up is the titular full armor Double Zeta Gundam. Hell yeah. Judo Ashta. The best Gundam character. <laughs> I really like this thing, but I'm always thrown off by how bulky it is. I know it's supposed to be big, but I forget. Yeah, they're not exaggerating when they say it's full armor. That does mean lots of projectile options. You got missiles, you got the double beam rifle, 
it's heavy normal punch as a beam attack, right? I believe so. The full armor double zeta Gundam has this really funny thing. It's like a sort of a sequential joke where you do one special input and it does a big laser. You do another special input and it does a big laser. You do a third special input and it does like a kick. And you're like, oh wow, a kick, but you didn't hit your opponent with it. So you go over and then you hit your opponent with it and he kicks them into the air and shoots them. <laughs> like, <laughs> everything is a laser. It's really funny. Yeah, that's great. And its mega special is also the high mega cannon. Big, big, big laser. Yep, big beams. It's quite good, but I uh, I lost a lot when I used it. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine, but I just I can't handle it. It's too much machine for me. <laughs> I had the same problem in a Gundam versus Zeta Gundam, the older like PS2 and GameCube ones, where like you can do specific things to unlock uh, Double Zeta Gundam in that, and it should be the best, but I just constantly died using it. Yeah, yeah. And after that is the Queen Mansa, piloted by Puru 2. This is a weird choice. Like, <laughs> why why keep this one? I mean, it's it's cool. It's a cool suit design. But it's, a, it's you know, considering all the, the suits that got cut from yeah. Zeta and from Double Zeta, it's weird that this one is still here. Yeah, this is the one that I said was like, the, the Cubelet is not in the game, but something functionally similar to it is. This is what that one is. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, this is more so than the Cubelet has a ton of powerful beam attacks, but it also has uh, funnels, which uh, we mentioned the psychic warfare developing guns on strings. They also develop ones that can fly independently, and that's what these are. They're independent laser cannons. You do a special move to summon them, and then you do the shooting attack input, and you'll fire these instead. Yeah, it's, it's cool, it's interesting. The thing is that Everything else is so slow. Like, it starts up pretty slow, is the thing. And your opponent is going to be doing things while you're doing that. And I think, I don't know if this is true for the Queen Mansa, but I'm pretty sure that some of the funnels have hurt boxes and can be destroyed. So that's a problem. Yeah, only new Gundam's uh, funnels can't be damaged. Everything else can get blown up. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, because I remember that new Gundam's couldn't be destroyed, but I think it was the Sazabees I remember being destroyed while I was playing it. Yeah, it's a good matchup against other slow units for sure yeah uh, just because it's got some trickier moves and i mean well against me as a human playing against the cpu yeah i kick my ass a lot but mostly you just have to understand how its projectile attacks work because it does one roll like jump in the air and fire a spray of shots downwards once you know it does that though then you know once it jumps in the air to just boost once and you'll be out of the way of that and then you can counter with a shot before it fully recovers right exactly it's mega special attack it works well on big enemies but on smaller ones, it has a chance to miss them, just because you're already bigger than them, so your attack has a chance of going over their heads. Yeah, the Queen Mansa is another one of those that is very, very big compared to, you know, things like the RX or the, the Burning Gundam. Yeah. You know, it's not like boss big, but it is big for a normal suit. It's strange to leave it in. I like it, but it is strange that it's one of the things that made the cut. Compared to, say, Zeta Gundam, which is a Gundam. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Speaking of Gundams... Next up we have the new Gundam. This is a very interesting suit. Uh, it feels like it's made for people who are very good at the game, namely because it doesn't have a mega special like we mentioned. Yeah, so for some reason it has no super. It has a good moveset, like it's a very strong moveset, but it's not so exceptional compared to the other movesets of the other things. In fact, some things have better movesets even in general, I'd say. <laughs> See, I, I, I had an interesting experience sort of fiddling around with the new Gundam because 
like I was initially confused that it didn't have a super, but it's like you say, it feels like a suit that's for people who are very good at the game. It felt potentially very powerful. Like it had one or two normals that really stood out to me as very, very difficult to contest. Like it has a, it's one of the only suits, maybe the only suit that has a, a normal button that involves the funnels as part of the hitbox. Yeah. Like that was really cool to see and it felt very strong. Uh, and also, like you say, its funnels can't be damaged. They're also huge and have very like good tracking mm-hmm. on, on your target. Like It feels like you can use them to set up your offense in a much more robust way than you can with the other funnels. Yeah, they can also cancel projectiles, I think. Yes, yes, they can. So yeah, I think you're right. It's a strong suite of abilities, for sure. There are just other suits in this game that are similarly very well-equipped that also have specials. Yeah, sure, yeah. That's just the only strange thing about it. But it is cool to be able to unleash the funnels, catch the enemy off guard, use the funnels. Even if the enemy blocks it, you can then follow up with your regular gun attack. Oh, that's the other thing. Its beam rifle attack is quite strong. Yes, yes, it is. And also, the heavy kick move is the one where it does like a radial three-hit attack with its um, funnels like directly hitting the enemy. Yeah. It's quite effective. It's got good reach. I just... uh felt like I didn't have quite enough of a handle on the controls on my recent replay to be very good with it. Yeah, that's fair. Speaking of, though, something that's similar and has a special, the Sazabi, also from Shard's Counterattack, piloted by the third and final iteration of Shar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is a really cool suit. I mean, I love the design of this suit just generally, and I think it's really cool in this game. Again, it has the funnels, it has, uh, well... Like the new Gundam, it doesn't have a lot of specials, but what it does have feel very good. Like I was, I was comparing it to the uh, the RX seventy eight earlier. So the RX seventy eight feels like it has a very broad diversity of tools, and they feel applicable. Whereas the Sazabi has fewer tools, but they feel very powerful. You know, if you know, if you have like a focused specific plan with Sazabi, you'll get on well. Whereas the uh, RX seventy eight feels like it will suit whatever you're trying to do. You know? Yeah. The thing I noticed with the Sazabi is its main shooting attack is a spread shot. It has a beam shotgun. Yes. You have a potential to miss with parts of that spread shot and have lower damage output, but conversely, against big enemies or up close, it's way more effective. And its mega special is the same way. It's a scattershot particle cannon in its chest. Mm. Same thing. Like, if you get up close, it's extremely powerful. At longer range, you risk missing with, like, half the shots. I mean, it's it's a trade-off, right? Like you said, it's a trade-off. You risk hitting with fewer of the shots, but equally it covers a greater range, right? Like we've said, you know, there's a lot of scope for jumping and flying in this game, and maybe hitting more than just directly in front of you is sometimes a good thing. And also having two different spreadshot options in combination with funnels is very potent. Yes, exactly. The way the funnels work is when you enter the command to make them shoot, they will pause and line up with where your enemy is presently and fire all the shots at once. I think it varies from uh, suit to suit. They'll fire like a number of shots and your opponent will stay in hit stun if they get hit by those and you can run up and maybe start comboing them or get a few good hits in, you know? Yeah. Alright, and now we're going to move on to the uh, slate of G Gundam suits, starting with the Burning Gundam. Or, you know, in Japan, the titular G Gundam. G was short for God, so I guess they changed it in America. The God Gundam. Yeah, so this was the first suit I played with, just in general, and also when I played it again today. If you like fighting games, 
you'll feel right at home with the Burning Gundam. In addition to its normal projectile, where it just shoots some bullets, it has a fireball and it has an uppercut. And like, great. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'm surprised going back to it, I remember being a lot better with it. And I can't tell if, like, I am worse now because I'm out of practice, but... <laughs> I just feel like, you know, the suits from the martial arts Gundam should be the best. And it's good, but not without some provisos. And especially in a game with such a strong ranged combat element, I feel like you only have your regular move options as counters, you know, to getting close. For sure. Just like I was saying earlier, like, because ranged attacks in this game are so good that you need a way to beat them as a close range combat character. And it's not, it's not fully clear that <laughs> something like Burning Gundam has those tools, but it's cool. It is really cool. Yeah. And it's, um, Mega Special is the Sekiha Tenkyoken, which is another huge forward-facing beam. I mean, it's not any more exceptional than the other huge forward-facing beams in the game, but it is, in its street mode, pretty effective against everything they put you up against, which is a nice concession considering that the G Gundam characters have the hardest final boss. It's a good single effective tool for Burning Gundam to have, because, like we said, if we have this problem getting in against these ranged characters, it's good to have a single hard-hitting tool to make your opponent, even if you can only do it three times, and um, if it hits them three times, they're pretty close to dead. Like, it's a good to have this single hard-hitting tool to make them reconsider just throwing projectiles at you, because if they do one badly, you get to punish them really intensely with this big beam. Yeah. You can't do anything else at significant range. Like, even your fireball is very short range, but you get to punish them with that. I will say the, the best move you have for closing range is the regular Tenkyoken. Or the Shining Finger? I can't remember which one is the one where he'll dash forwards with the attack. I think that's Light Burning Finger. Pretty good, but I kept screwing up the input every time I tried to do it, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the only problem, is that Burning Finger is on a Z input, so if you, if you don't like doing Dragon Punch inputs, maybe don't play Burning Gundam. <laughs> no, if you want to unlock everything, then you have to be Burning Gundam's thing in street mode, so... <laughs> yes, yes. And moving on to the other G Gundam street mode character, Gundam Maxter, piloted by the most, I guess, American thing the Japanese creators have come up with, Chibity Crockett. Hell yeah! <laughs> what a silly suit this is. Yeah, it's great, it's great, but it's, it's, it's weird. Not a decent spread of, uh, of melee moves that are like fast and some are strong and slow moves, and it has the uh, dual pistols as a ranged attack. Yeah, it does. It has the Gunslinger pistols. It also has, as far as I could tell, one of the only moves... I think it might be just the crouching heavy kick. It like falls forward and slides on its face <laughs> to hit you. Like it's a slide, but instead of sliding with its feet, it slides with its face. And if that hits you, it'll knock you down and then it's got pressure. It looks very funny. Yeah. Like, Because <laughs> if that gets blocked and you get punished for it, you look like an absolute fool. But... It's very cool if it hits them. Speaking of ways to close the distance, I'm surprised Burning Gundam doesn't have this, but Gundam Maxter actually has specials for quick steps and also dashing. Yes, yes it does. And you can immediately chain into attacks out of either of those. Yeah, this is something that I don't know if I'm missing any that we've talked about already, but like certainly it becomes in, as, in a big way with the uh, G Gundam suits, is suits that have specials that may provide some small attack but some of them provide none at all and are mostly for motion that you can immediately cancel into other attacks 
I think maybe just because I was less familiar with it than Burning Gundam, I still did about as well anyway. Right, yeah. <laughs> because in certain high-pressure situations, risking screwing up the special input for the fast movement versus doing a dash or a boost pans out the same way. If you get a handle on it, I'm sure it could be really effective, though. I just, I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So next up is the Dragon Gundam. Yeah, Dragon Gundam has long arms. Unlike the High Gog, which is like a mid-range rushdown character, the Dragon Gundam is more directly, I guess, calling out. Maybe this is, again, where the, the timelines get mixed up, but to me this feels like a pretty direct reference to, or, you know, directly evocative of Dalsim from Street Fighter. Because it has long arms, multiple fireball specials, fire breath special, like, it's a lot like Dalsim. But then it also has that weird thing where it turns into an angel and flies at you, so I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen the show. It was a very strange experience playing against this suit, having never seen the show. Because it also, like, has a projectile that makes flags? Mm-hmm. What's that all about? <laughs> I can't quite remember. I've, I've seen a fair bit of G Gundam, but not like the whole thing through. I didn't see like the big Shining Gundam, Dragon Gundam fight or anything like that, unfortunately. I feel like since I was more familiar with Gundam Wing, that came out after G Gundam, but also despite being more grounded, there's a Gundam that's almost exactly this design. This one focuses much more on moves you'd associate with martial arts. Yeah, yeah. It is much more about combos long-reaching attacks, turning into a butterfly angel thing. That attack's very interesting. He hops in the air, then activates it, and does a downwards arc, and then swoops upwards with it. Yeah, yeah, like, it just it just traces out, a, like, a specific curve in a way that is confusing. But <laughs> it looks very cool. I'm sure it could catch, like, a person off guard, but I'm trying to think of any direct matchup where it's especially effective for doing that. If someone jumped, could they block this in the air? Because you could use it to punish that. Ah, uh, you can air block, but I mean... It, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just hard to say. It is cool, though. And it's yeah, it's unique for the game, so I mean, I appreciate it. That's one problem with this game in terms of modes. It doesn't have a training mode, so you can't lab out your sweet combos. You have to get a second pad in and hold down the block button or something <laughs> to, to try and practice that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, so next we have Gundam Rose with George DeSand, who is from a show I've never seen, but has good hair. <laughs> yeah, he, he represents France, so... Napoleon Gundam. It's with all the fencing and the roses. It's a good aesthetic, I like it. This one also has an equivalent to Funnels. I don't think there's anything involving psychic warfare in G Gundam. They just thought it looked cool and decided he should have it. They were right, it does look cool. This one's interesting because uh, one of Rose's projectile attacks, Lightning Shoot, is actually a projectile barrier? Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. I couldn't get my opponent to actually shoot a projectile into it, so I don't know how useful it is. I mean, it seems cool. Could be good against Big Xan. <laughs> yeah. The Rapid Sword Strikes are, are pretty good. It's weird because its unblockable attack has like the same reach as its uh, sword attacks. Like, exactly the same? It's a very straight line. Yeah, like, those are, those sword attacks, they're really long, and, like, a lot of them are not only really long sword attacks, but they also the, the body advances while they do it as well. So, like, pokey, zoning, <laughs> but with buttons. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to have a suit with funnels that's also got such a strong melee focus. Yeah, yeah. Is it super the one that creates, like, a pillar of roses? Yeah. That, like, knocks them into the air, and then when they land, damages them? I think so, yeah. 
Yeah, that was that was weird. I didn't really get that, but it looked cool. <laughs> that, that pretty much sums up Gundam Rose. I mean, it's good from what I remember of using it, but it's uh, yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't even say it's like other suits or something. I just I don't feel very strongly about it for some reason or another. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, just because of the way I ended up picking characters while I was testing out suits, I ended up playing against it quite a lot. But I didn't, you know, I didn't. It seemed cool. It's the kind of suit I would, you know, try out a bit more if I played the game a lot more. If you had strong opinions about Gundam Rose, uh, you should have written into the show too bad. Yeah, exactly. And after that is the Bolt Gundam, piloted by Argo Gulski from Russia. So I think I already mentioned that I'm pretty sure that this this mech is a, in a, like is a direct reference to Geese Howard's Raging Storm, but it's it's cool in its own right anyway. <laughs> yeah, got a lot of different slow, strong melee attacks. Like even its um, trample rush move is visually quite slow even though i've gotten caught by it a few times that's what happens in this game you get caught by things that look slow because everything you can do about them is slow (laughs) i think it has like some degree of uh, super armor so you can't just poke it out of that like you can with some other slow attacks Mm. for its most annoying move it's also got extra versatility the graviton hammer where it throws out its like ball and chain at you yeah yeah is a pretty heavy hitter, and it can follow it up with a second strike. You can also do it too if you do the input a second time while it's out. Some pretty interesting mind games. And also against bosses, just another way to increase your damage output. Right, exactly, yeah. It's like it's one of those things that you always have to keep in mind, is that if your opponent like consistently you know, hits you with the first hit of Graviton Hammer and then lets it hang and then does that, you know, if they condition you to expect that, then you might, you know, come to believe that you're safe after the first hit of Graviton Hammer, and that's exactly when they'll catch you with the follow-up. You know, moves with follow-ups is a thing that is a weird weird to get the hang of in a fighting game. It's cool that this has that. Following that up is the Master Gundam piloted by Master Asia. So now, again, I don't know anything about G Gundam, because it's martial arts focused. This is the martial artist who, like, blocks everything and does like a super like you know powerful counter moves right is that how it is to some degree he's kind of like the master and therefore mirror of the main character right yeah because the thing about this suit that really interested me as like a unique mechanic i guess is that they've got this fully invincible block right has like this big cloak around the robot Mm -hmm. right but you can cancel it. You can guard cancel, which is a really, really cool thing. Because it's like, you do a motion to do it, so you have to like really know your opponent is about to hit you. And, you know, the moves in this game are pretty slow, so it's actually not that hard yeah. to do. And then you can use that to cancel the block stunt that you would get from blocking your opponent's attack and counterattack with that. And that is a really, really, really cool technique. And it fits into this idea of a powerful martial artist really well. This is the other suit with hands-on wires. They can do the uh, darkness finger attack, which will launch his fist forward quite some way. Yeah. Its mega special is also quite interesting. The AI, like, never did it to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any encounter with Master Agent Street Mode, for some reason, he's a total pushover. Yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that. I figured that must be intentional because, <laughs> I don't know, it seems like it has a mostly better tool set than the Burning Gundam, but I was like, it was a, it was a, a cakewalk. Yeah. Speaking of street mode, after looking for actual hours of our lives, we finally found Domon's brother. It's <laughs> it's Kyoji in the Devil Gundam, or in this game, the Dark Gundam. 
I've had some fun playing as it, but mostly fighting against it? God, I hate this thing. This is the most, like, blatantly unfair fight in the game. Yeah. It's very weird, because uh, it feels, unlike every other boss, like, every other boss feels like you're playing the same game, but the boss has, like, a completely different moveset to you, but they have a lot more health than you. Whereas the Devil Gundam just seems to take no damage from anything that you do. <laughs> And it has multiple moves that can hit you at full screen and, you know, just have no punishable hurtbox or anything. You just have to you just have to hold that. Mm -hmm. It can unleash these worm things from the ground, like right in front of you. It can follow that up with an even bigger worm attack. It's mega special as a giant worm that takes up like the entire ground yep. space. Also, it's a unblockable beam saber attack, full screen reach. And also, if you thought that you were gonna avoid that unblockable beam saber attack by flying over it. Well, too bad. It has like a static field that it can surround its body with that, you know, basically means that there's a no-fly zone right over the top of it. Yeah, no-touch zone either. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And uh, it has a, not even as a super, it just has a stock laser attack. Normally, it only half hits standing targets. This is meant to, I guess, quote-unquote balance it. So it like will full hit boss targets, but will only half hit standing targets. But if you're, like, jumping, you'll get hit by all of it, and it will do, like, a whole health bar. Easy. It's really hard, like, clearing Domon, well, clearing any G Gundam character's street mode on hard mode, it feels like how lucky you are how much this boss decides to let you hit them. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where uh, fighting game AI really, like, really shows how rough around the edges it can be, you know? If you somehow can beat someone using Dark Gundam as a ball, you are officially the best person at potentially all fighting games ever made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I consider that to be a 10-0 matchup <laughs> for the ball. Don't do that. Don't money match your opponent if they're playing Devil Gundam and you're playing ball. Don't do that. Don't waste your time. <laughs> I mean, I'd say don't money match them if they're Dark Gundam and you're also not Dark Gundam in any case. <laughs> There's really no guarantee. Even with some of the best suits in this, like, I really can't say you would definitively win with any of them. Yeah, like, you you take a full hit from the lasers as either of the giant suits. Even Psycho Gundam, which, in my opinion, definitely, like, is busted. I still don't necessarily fancy your chances versus Dark Gundam. But hey, it's fun. It's, it's really fun to just rip dudes up with this thing. It looks extremely cool. I'm glad it's in the game. And moving on from that, we have the only representative of the original line of characters from Gundam Wing, Gundam Epion, piloted by Trey's Kushranada, the sort of villain of Gundam Wing. It's kind of confusing. So yeah, Gundam Epion is a suit I only know from the peculiar experience of picking it in Gundam Versus, a game which is very, very heavily reliant on ranged attacks. Gundam Epion has no ranged attacks, and that's also true in this game. Yes, though in this game you can kind of say... You are the ranged attack. <laughs> yeah, you just you just uh you just fly at your opponent. This is one of those characters that has motion specials that you can cancel into attacks. Not only that, the first time you can cancel it into another one. So you can just <laughs> command dash at your opponent a bunch of times and then beat the stuffing out of them. Not only that, but it's unique attacks, it's like command normals, really, really long. Really long and hit multiple times. So you can hit your opponent with your heat rod, your long whip thing. And it'll hit them like three times, stun them for long enough that you can dash in and just start ruining their life. It's a very good suit. Yeah, quite hard to fight against. Yes. 
one of the best rushdowns in the game for the fact that it can be invincible when it does it. It feels like when we said there's not really an answer for melee focus characters against ranged enemies, this swings very far in the other direction in that being ranged isn't an answer against this thing. If you're looking for an answer to ranged attacks, a fully invincible command dash that cancels into itself is probably that. <laughs> it's also quite interesting, since this is an Atsume game, that this is quite similar to its moveset from Endless Duel. Yes, yeah. It had ranged attacks in Endless Duel with super moves also. I mean, it was the final boss, so of course it was ridiculously hard. Yeah, yeah. In this case, it's uh, it's a little toned down. Still harder than usual, but doable. Yeah. And then we go on to the Gundam Wing Endless Waltz designs. Uh, Endless Waltz was like a movie follow-up to the original. It has very fanciful redesigns of the suits. There's no real explanation for them. So if you're like, oh, I thought it was grounded. Why does it have angel wings? Oh, because they thought it would look cool for a version of Wing Gundam to have angel wings instead of mechanical wings. Yeah, I mean, I agree. <laughs> That's why everything in Endless Waltz, design-wise, is just the most. More so than even nationalism, the anime G Gundam. <laughs> Endless Waltz has the most. Okay, that's cool. Start that with a Wing Gundam Zero Custom. I think of all the street mode suits that you start with, this is maybe the easiest one. Yeah, this suit's pretty powerful. Its stock beam attack does a huge amount of damage and hits like a huge part of the screen, so like, just do that. <laughs> <laughs> you might think at first, because it's ammo using ranged attack, is the chest machine guns. And so you think like, oh, well, I gotta do like a special move to use the guns. No, actually, that's just a different easy input. And those don't use ammo. You do down, back, and heavy punch, split the gun in half, and fire the two beams. Or you can just press heavy punch and you'll fire a strong energy shot. Yeah, that's it. You just press H and you get, <laughs> you just get a ridiculously powerful laser. Yeah, good suit. Also, if you hold um, the down button in midair, you'll hover, and it's a different functionality from entering a vernier mode, the regular like fly around the screen mode. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a wing hover or something. Yeah. My favorite little touch about this suit is that because it has angel wings, whenever it lands or gets knocked down, it dispenses a feather particle effect. Yeah. It looks really cool. Love that. Also, it's um, crouching. Heavy Kick is a slide with a very long reach. Right. And like we mentioned earlier, its mega special is jumping in the air and firing a big beam downwards. It's a very interesting twist because, again, like what happened against me, you can use it to evade attacks and also counter them. Hmm. Very satisfying. Kind of awkward to use against like Big Zam and such. They'll hit the legs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It just feels kind of strange. And also, if an enemy is like, close to the outside of a beam attack on the ground, they can get pushed out of it. Yeah, that, that's that's something I noticed quite a bit. A couple of supers in this game, the beams like push them out in a way that's really awkward. And it seems like not to be symmetrical against every target, so that's something you kind of have to consider on a matchup basis. Well, I suppose this suit's actually easy to use in different ways. Gundam Deathsight H, short for hell, by the way. <laughs> of course, Natch. Is also in street mode. Like it sounds, it's got a very heavy Reaper motif going on, has a big beam sight, and a lot of its inputs uh, count as unblockable attacks for that reason. Yeah, so this is another one of my this is another one of my picks for quietly one of the best suits in the game. So it has all of these unblockable attacks. Not only that, it has a lot of fast normals that cover huge parts of the screen. If your opponent jumps above you, 
and you're, say, Burning Gundam, and you want to, like, anti-air them with uh, Crouching Heavy Punch, it's very short. If you do it with Death Scythe, it's just whatever, you know? Wherever they are in their jump trajectory, your Scythe will probably just hit them, because it goes miles and miles and miles. It's so big. So there's a lot of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I don't really understand this, but it's uh, Super has almost no startup time <laughs> and is completely unblockable. So, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, pick one, right? Don't give it both. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, pretty great. Also, if you're in street mode, then um, his quote when he does the cut in is slash, slash, slash. <laughs> Let me tell you, that is what it will do, because uh, you just throw your, what is it, your, like, it's a little scythe and it just spins and you, you just plows through your opponent. And they can't do anything about it. I guess they could jump over it, but like, yeah, it's, it's good. It's very good. <laughs> it weirdly, like, it has a move where it teleports forward, like it disappears and then reappears a little further. Yeah, teleports behind you. It seems like it'd be a lot better than it is, and I'm sure like in a different suit's arsenal it would be like great. It doesn't really feel necessary for Deathslide, and kind of because of the delay, yeah, feels like a bigger risk. This is the thing that I noticed with that teleport, is that like uh, it looks a lot better than it is. There are two layers to it. You input the teleport, and you hold a direction. You teleport further in that direction. So you can use it to like vary your spacing in quite a, an interesting way. The thing is that if you teleport right behind your opponent, and they know that you're going to do that, they can throw you before you can do anything about it, because actually, even though you haven't appeared on screen yet, your hurtbox is still there, so you can emerge from the teleport in the stun from a throw, which is weird. One time I noticed it activate the teleport. I was in Wingen in street mode, and so I just like stepped forward and activated the Mega Special, because the AI does like a uniform distance for its teleport every time, and it just teleported right into it and it couldn't block or anything. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because it's got, it's got recovery frames. Like, I don't think it's very invincible at all. So yeah, it's, it's a weird one. It's, it's got quite a specific use case, if, if at all. Certainly a lot more technical move in the moveset of something that's very much like, do you hate it when enemies block? Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Following that, uh, one of my favorites, the Gundam Heavy Arms Kai. That's another one of my picks for one of the best suits in the game. <laughs> We mentioned how, you know, the Zaku machine gun shoots a lot of bullets when you do the heavy input attack. This thing shoots, like, three times as many bullets when you do that. Yep, and you can do it five times. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it's using a hundred units of ammo already. Yeah, yeah. And even when it's run out of that, it has a different input for a gun attack, and it has two different, I think, missile moves? Yeah, it has a bunch of missile stuff. It's like we talked about with the Sazabi earlier, where it's super is like, instead of being a single focused shot, it shoots basically everywhere on the screen. Mm-hmm. That's quite funny. That's literally everywhere, though, because it fires four arm Gatling guns, it's two chest Gatling guns, I think it fires its head guns as well. And its missile pods, yep. It is hilarious. It is hilarious. Another thing that makes the heavy arms kind of ridiculous... Do you remember how there's a universal unblockable input in this game? <laughs> the heavy arms is missiles. What? <laughs> it has unblockable projectiles. Come on. <laughs> They're slower than usual, I guess, but so what? Like, you can put pressure on them with other 
ones that they'll want to block because they don't want to get hit by those either. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, sure, when you run out of ammo, you're a little more vulnerable, but it's not like it's a complete slouch outside of that. I can definitely envision games where you just pressure your opponent with your ammo-less tools and then use your ammo to punish them all and just get damage, you know? Like, I think that suit's very funny, very good. Honestly, I think I felt more in danger running out of chest Vulcan ammo for the Burning Gundam than I did running out of ammo for the MBR. Yeah, yeah. Moving on from there, there's the uh, Gundam Sandrock Kai. This is Catra, same voice actor as Amaro. This thing's pretty neat. I feel like it doesn't stand out compared to the other wing suits. So this is another suit, maybe the only other suit that has, like you mentioned earlier, a special. So you do the special, it does something, and then you need to input something else to end it in a unique way. Yeah. It runs forward and it like jabs the ground with the, the showtails. And then you can either do that twice with the light version, four times with the heavy version, and then you can either just let that rock and hit them, or you can like finish it off with a kick input, and that, that does something different, which I thought was interesting. It is very acrobatic, for sure. It's got like some cool flips and stuff. It just feels like it's not quite as great at closing distance and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's okay. <laughs> I like the design. Yeah, yeah. And after that is uh, Gundam Nataku. This is the one that we said, uh, Dragon Gundam. Well, this one's technically similar to Dragon Gundam because it came after. Limited ranged attacks, but it's got a double-ended beam trident. Oh, yes, this one. Yes, yes, yes. It's got quite a bit of range, even with the blockable attacks. Yeah, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, one of its uh, beam trident attacks is like a meteor style attack so you can like jump up above your opponent and then crash down on them with an unblockable beam javelin yeah yeah it's it's similar to the rx 78s but it's like it's a lot faster than the yeah. rx 78s version maybe even like a legitimate approach strategy is to just you know sort of mix up your opponent with that i guess it's cool i, li I like the suit design i guess that's why i feel like sandrock's not very exceptional as nataku has a very similar set of strengths and just more so. That makes sense. And then after that, we have the Tolgis 3, piloted by Zex Marquise. Yeah. And this thing, it's weird. It, that's very balanced, but it doesn't feel plain because it's actually quite good in how balanced it is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really remember anything about the Tolgis 3. I've played with it like less than an hour ago. Well, no, not less than an hour ago. Substantially more than an hour ago now. But, <laughs> you know, recently I played as this suit and I don't really remember anything about it. <laughs> it's got, like, the one-button shot attack. Okay. It's got pretty fast normals. It's got the heat rod special move. Oh, yeah, it's another heat rod suit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the heat rod that makes it. Because in addition to that, also, its saber attack is, like, far-reaching, but also fast. Much faster than any other saber attack in the game. Yeah. You always have good options, and the inputs aren't too difficult. Also, I like the design. <laughs> Yeah, the design is really cool. Visually, it's really cool. I just didn't remember anything about mechanically playing as it. Mm -hmm. And after that, we have Gundam The Last Outpost, a spin-off of Gundam Wing. I should note that this set of side stories is also titled G-Unit. I'd never heard of this <laughs> before, before playing this game. I'd never, ever heard of Mobile Suit Gundam The Last Outpost. I mean, from what I can tell, pretty much every spin-off of Gundam Wing is just awful. So Okay, right. So, like I mentioned, this is the game with the only voice performance 
by the pilot of the Hydra Gundam here, Valder Farkill. Ooh, that's a terrible name. <laughs> and this is like... This is a pretty uninspiring suit design. Like, I was, I don't know, just in for the game, I was playing as it, and I was just like, eh, eh, I really, didn't really, I didn't really gel with it, you know? It doesn't seem to have much. It doesn't look very cool, but it's got some special things about it that are really good. Yeah. Well, Saber Attack is a double hit. Uh, it's not the only suit to do that, but it, it's quite fast. It also has a ranged attack. I don't think it's the ammo one, but it's got a four-shot beam cannon. It's called the Hydra because of the set of cannons on its back. I was going to say, yeah, this is the one with the two, like, tail cannon things, isn't it? So that's cool. That's cool. And most notably, it takes zero chip damage when it blocks due to a special defense system it has. I didn't actually notice that when I was trying it out. So you might want to overheat an enemy normally by, like, performing a super that does multiple hits to knock them below a health bar, it just won't do anything. It's potentially invincible. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, does that mean, because if throws don't hit blocking opponents, I guess you have your universal unblockable to mix that up with. Yeah. Like, could you live forever as the Hydra Gundam? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Does it have a, a shield evade or a dodge evade? I have no idea. I think it has a dodge evade. I mean, I don't see why you'd need a shield evade when your regular block is already completely invincible. Yeah, yeah, true. This thing's a jerk. Yeah. If you play the Tall Geese 3 in street mode, that's the final boss for you. So that's uh, uh, okay. kind of annoying. Volda Farkill. Wow. <laughs> and then after that, the last suit, the last big boss in the game, the Psycho Gundam Mark Three. Hell yeah. This is, I think, best suit in the game. You know, including boss suits. It's definitely up there. Because uh, it's huge, like all the other bosses, and much like all the other bosses, it has just permanent super armor. It's impossible to knock this suit down. Even when you overheat it, it just staggers like a little bit. Mm -hmm. It just continues. So that means that all of its like moves, like it has big, heavy-hitting moves, and your opponent cannot interrupt them on startup. You, they just get hit by them, and they you know they get knocked back. Like sometimes all the way across the screen. Like it's it's heavy punch. It just thrusts both of its fists forward and think like in an action that does not look even remotely like a punch but it looks like it would hurt yeah my favorite thing about this suit is that having learned that the throw does not break guard it now makes sense that like command throws are not a huge thing in this game as far as i can tell psycho gundam is the only suit in the game that has a command throw and it probably isn't even really a throw it probably just starts on strike but like Psycho Gundam has an attack where it just grabs you and, like, Bane-style breaks the suit's back on its knee. Mm -hmm. And it does, like, a full health bar of damage. It's so cool. Yeah, it's great. And also, it's, um, unblockable beam saber attack is sized to the Psycho Gundam, so it's huge, and you can't knock it out of it. Hell yeah. So you better, you better fly away, little Gundam, because <laughs> otherwise it's gonna be a bad time for you. Like, it's unfair, but it's also really cool, so I don't entirely mind. Yeah, Psycho Gundam feels to me like it has all of the all of the advantages of a boss suit with very few of the downsides. Mm -hmm. It also has, like, you know, big laser beams and stuff. Oh, yeah, that's quite a few, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's got some big laser beams and quite a few smaller ones. 
I think it's maybe another one of those. I can't, I can't actually remember now, but I think it might be another one of those suits that has like beams that hit the whole screen and benefit you from being able to knock your opponent up into them so they get hit by more of them. Mm-hmm. But I would have to check that. So that's the cast. Yeah. Like we mentioned, like there's a lot of stuff to like about a lot of them. We weren't hot on some of them, but that's a pretty good hit rate for a 30-character fighting game cast. 30 is like a lot of characters. <laughs> and this is Natsume, too. Like They're not like the fighting game people by any means. Exactly. You know, they're the Harvest Moon people. And I should note, I looked up everyone whose credits I could on movie games. It seems like none of them ever worked on Harvest Moon. Oh, right. Yeah, most of the people who worked on this game worked on games that were tie-ins for Kamen Rider and Power Rangers. Nice. Yeah, I don't know how good those games were, but I mean, that's not something. It's probably all right. And a credit that most of the team had in the past and now has more recently, they have all worked on Wild Guns and Wild Guns Reloaded. Oh, nice. So they definitely have some strong arcade sensibilities in this team. Yeah, totally. Making a fighting game is different from making an arcade shooter, and the fact that they were able to pull this off with such a big cast... It's great. Yeah, no, I just you know I think this game is really good, and I think I just want to you know reiterate what we said earlier, which is that like if you if you don't think you like fighting games and you do like Gundam, I implore you to try Gundam Battle Assault Two because it's a lot of fun. In terms of follow-ups, there was Gundam Seed Battle Assault on the Game Boy Advance. It's faster by quite a bit. It's also just like presentation, package-wise, everything not very inspiring. Also, a lot of suits in Gundam Seed look pretty similar, so having them shrunk down to a Game Boy Advance screen is... It really lacks strong visual distinction. Yeah, I can see that being a problem. In general, I mean, fighting games on the GBA, it's, it's a very small selection of ones that I'd say are really worth your time anyway. Oh, you don't, you don't like Tekken Advance? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I can see why. I'm, uh, I'm, I don't know, I'm mostly just impressed that Tekken Advance exists. So, you know, someone saw Tekken and was like, I could put that on the Game Boy Advance. They were wrong, but they tried. They tried their darndest. Yeah. And the sequel to this game, in as far as I guess anything could be a complete sequel, is Battle Assault 3 featuring Gundam Siege. See, I, di- I didn't even know that existed before I, before I saw this. It's a PS2 title. From what I've seen, it's quite expensive secondhand, so even when I was, like, kind of curious... I should note, I really just like Gundam Seed, and I mean, I think a lot of people do, but it's also very popular for some reason. Yeah, I was going to say, that's one of the other ones that's like really popular. It says featuring Gundam Seed, but they mean Gundam Seed featuring, I think, two suits from G Gundam and maybe the Wing Gundam is in it. <laughs> and if you thought it was extraneous that Battle Assault 2 has the Zaku 2 and then Char Zaku 2, there are a lot of grunt suits in Battle Assault 3. <laughs> Which is also weird, because Gundam Seed is the show that has the highest frequency of giving people Gundams, if any Gundam media, ever. I think it actually outpaces G Gundam. That's impressive. It has a two-on-two setup, like simultaneous two-on-two setup. It's in 3D. There's some people who like it quite a bit, but it's a lot harder than two. Okay, right. And I feel like I could be interested in it. But it's entirely focused on Gundam Seed characters, so I have the least motivation to do so. Unticking a lot of boxes for you, definitely. And even if you were into Gundam Seed but thought you didn't like fighting games, it's hard, so you're not going to feel very good until you get really (laughs) good at it. Yeah. Which is like the hurdle you're going to encounter with any other fighting game already. 
So Gundam Battle Assault 3 featuring Gundam Seed is a game that is specifically for people who really like Gundam Seed and really like fighting games and really want those two things in the exact same place. And also you don't want to play Gundam Versus. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, Gundam Versus is much more unlike fighting games than Battle Assault 3, but it's really good. Yeah. I mean, I heard a lot of people want it as hot on the newest Gundam Versus, but whole line of games in there people like. Yeah, yeah. There's an official translation for Gundam vs. Gundam Next Plus on PSP. Gundam Extreme vs. Force people also dislike. It's on Vita, and I think it's fun. It's not, like, great, but it's fun. But yeah, so, I mean, we mentioned Gundam Versus because, like, if you want something like this, like, unfortunately, very light on traditional fighting games, like, outside of Endless Duel on the SNES, which we also mentioned. Battle Saw 2 kind of sits at the pinnacle of what it specifically is, a 2D, one-on-one -on -one Gundam fighting game. Yeah. So if you want to play Gundam Battle Assault 2, the only way to get it is a physical PlayStation 1 disc. It's never been re-released on any digital service ever, and I think it's a weird position as a Japanese-made, Japanese-licensed game exclusively released in North America and Europe means it probably never get re-released yeah it does fall into a weird crack that way i've seen it go for as low as 15 dollars on the high end about 50 dollars depending on the condition or how complete the package is i mean the manual's okay it's not really like that great of a manual yeah and you can look up the move list online there's actually moves that the mobile suits can do that aren't listed in the manual <laughs> with that universal input thing like you'd find them through experimentation right yeah yeah exactly yeah but if you want to have a reference handy, like an FAQ will do you better than the manual itself. You'll just miss the um, having cover art. Ah, uh, cover art. <laughs> those were the days. Manuals, those were the days. Well, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, $50 is... I feel like it can be kind of a lot considering the game's age and pedigree and stuff. But I think it's worth that much. Yeah, totally. $50? I don't know. Maybe not. That's more of a collector's <laughs> item level there. Yeah. Also, you can play PS1 discs on a PS1, PS2, or PS3. If you use a PS1 or PS2 and you want to play it on a modern display, probably going to need like an upscaler of some kind so it can look normal. But the game is quite um, pixelated because it zooms in on this rotating art. Yeah. And I'm thinking like the minimum for like a good upscaler that has smoothing options would be like the RetroTink 2X or whatever, which is like 140 bucks. Yeah, upscalers are expensive. Yeah, and that's the cheapest one. Like it's like. For sure good. I bought a cheaper one, but I can't remember what brand it is or anything. And, right. You know, it's on Amazon. You can't quite be sure what problems they'll have. There is the Pound Technologies uh, HDMI cable for PS1 and PS2. It stretches the image out to fit your screen, and there's no smoothing option, so that could look real bad <laughs> uh, for this game especially. If you want, like, a Vaporwave fake retro aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is only 40 bucks, and it is certainly more affordable for what it is it's got some problems with ps2 games with ps1 games it looks normal agreeable <laughs> you just need the output of your console so you don't need to wrangle lots of wires or anything yeah but the easiest way to do it is to play it on a ps3 because all ps3s can play ps1 games they can't all play ps2 games that's only the original model but they can all play ps1 games I, I didn't even know that. I own a PS3 and I didn't know that. I didn't know all models could do it for the longest time. No. No, I assumed it was just the same with the PS2 emulator, but no. <laughs> yeah, not. actually, I mean, to date this video more so than, you know, the upload times will date it. 
I was just watching a video about the uh, PlayStation Classic. This digital foundry, and they're comparing it against playing PlayStation games on other things. And then they mentioned PS3 emulation. I'm like, oh shit. And like, that was today. After I watched that video, I'm like, I should pop it into <laughs> PS3 and try it out <laughs> just really quick to see how it is. It's good. Nice. Like, I couldn't really pick up any lag or anything. PS3 lets you choose to stretch it or play it in bigger than normal, I guess, but still like a smaller resolution. Right, yeah. And you can use a smoothing option. Yeah, I'd say it looks a lot better. The menus look kind of like mushy or whatever because they're just text, but the in-game graphics, it doesn't feel like you're harming the art style or anything. Yeah, okay, yeah. And you shouldn't do that because it's a very good art style. Yeah. And that about sums it up. Thanks again, Curly, for joining me on this episode. Hey, you're very welcome. It's been fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to plug? So I always plug my Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at curl underscore e underscore brace. Normally I plug my, my YouTube channel, but uh, I'm not really doing much with it right now because uh, it turns out that suddenly having a full-time job makes it quite hard to spend 100 hours editing a video. So <laughs> watch that space. How do you even find that? I don't know. I did a... What's, what's relevant here? Ah! I did a video about fighting games that featured Gundam Battle Assault 2. Uh-huh. It was called The Truth About Fighting Games. It's the one where the thumbnail is a picture of Melty Blood being played in a toilet. <laughs> I made that. Excellent. So yeah, find me there. All those videos are great. Also, the uh, your stream archives are on there, right? Yes, my stream archives are on there because I also live stream. That is something I'm doing right now. Thanks for reminding me in which order to promote <laughs> my, <laughs> my various online activities. Yeah, I, uh, I stream at twitch.tv slash no underscores. Also the uh, archive of uh, Jane Bloodborne's House of Eyeballs. Really good. That was fun. That was fun to do. So uh, yeah, that's me. What about you, Sid? What else do you do <laughs> online? Uh, mostly I make jokes on Twitter, which is a form of writing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's not like, yeah, I got all these followers. Hey guys, here are my opinions on Fantasy Star Online. Yeah, like two likes, maybe. <laughs> they're there for the jokes. The jokes are good, though. They're good. They're, you. They're, you know, some of them don't make you want to die, so they're good. <laughs> they're good jokes. It's at BeamsplashX, as always. And if you don't want to see the jokes and you just want to keep up with the podcast, that's at ThoughtABTGames. Recently made use of the fact that they expanded the character space. Well, it's actually they expanded the character space for names a while ago, but I forgot to do it until recently for the account. <laughs> in that it's now we thought about games with spaces between the words in the display names instead of all stuck together so I could fit the character count. Oh, damn! That's where we'll link podcast announcements, calls for emails. We didn't get any of this episode, but I mean, bigger podcasts have gotten no emails for bigger games, so I'm not really that surprised. It's going to battle assault too. I am lucky that I have even a guest to have on this episode. <laughs> Look, it's really good, and I, I I know a bunch of people who also would have said that. I mean, maybe they wouldn't have come on this podcast, but I would have because it's a, it's a good podcast and Thank it's you. a good game. It's a really good game. We also put up uh, links for stream announcements there, links to the YouTube channel when we upload streams. That should be all. So, thanks everyone for listening. You better go fight some more. And keep thinking. <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs>